Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. I'm on to you already, Carl. Hello there and welcome to Taken Over Air for your weekly dose of bullshit, stupidity and whatever the fuck this stupid shit is. We are back with a full house. It's Jay, John, Mr. Tucock himself, and me. <laughs> so, Jordan, there's some exciting news in your life. Do you fancy sharing? You got a Jordan, job. could you say it again, but sound less impressed? No, Jay, no. We discussed this before we started recording. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh... Can you stop it when it's halfway through a thing? Yes, okay. Yes, good. I can. You turn it down a little bit. Um, it's very loud. No, no. We have a soundboard now available, thanks to our, thanks to our recording software. Yes, thanks. No, it's it's not we have a soundboard, it's Jay has a soundboard, which he is taking extreme joy in playing with. Probably good, to be honest, because can you imagine this what time is for? Because none of us would relinquish control of the soundboard. <laughs> I'm so glad we're not monetized because I'm pretty sure that one sound clip would have ruined it. Probably. <laughs> the thing is, there's people. Sorry, John. What was that? Oh, yeah. The thing is, people who are like listening to this podcast. Uh, podcast like, again, that's the third time. Podcast. <laughs> podcast. <laughs> I remember Stop when I remember to the Holocaust. I know we've probably <laughs> killed people, but come on. I know. I remember when I was learning all the, all the speech mistakes yeah, and stuff and themselves. And Jay said podcast like three times. Both of you just talked completely over the top of Sorry. each other again. Naughty, naughty, naughty. Ah, you see, people, this is what you get when you try and give teamwork to a bunch of people that have no concept of the idea of. Um, it's got nothing to do with the sea people. Leave them over. Jordan, I'm including <laughs> you. Fuck here. off, Jay. Jay, <laughs> God's sake. That is legit louder than Jordan. It is legit louder than Jordan. <laughs> yes, it is. So, if Jordan having a new job, I'm assuming the Freddles are on Jordan, yeah? Nope. Yeah. Well, to be fair, you gave me Freddle last, last weekend or the weekend before? Weekend before. Weekend before, I think, wasn't it? Yeah. Done's um, already. Yeah, because rich. Because I need to buy you a pack of five Freddos <laughs> from Asda because I lost the bet at golf. But because yeah. it came down to a fucking tiebreaker, which I was the decider. You know what? I'm not gonna accept the five Freddos for that because I genuinely believe it was neck and neck. I don't think we can be split on that, but I will accept it for the putting. Nope. Yeah. If Jordan doesn't want to accept that because Jordan's the one that I beat in the button. (laughs) (laughs) With the last one. We will say, for context, it was just the driving range and putting, and we basically made our own competition out of it. There was no competition of anything, it was just us deciding bet yeah, I can hit it further. Or bet you I can put it in less shots, and it ended up being a pack of Freddos I to, the said, loser, I bet, to the winner. So. I should have said, I bet you I can get it on the golf course to the right. You'd win every time. Ta- you'd yeah, win every time. Ste- Stefan. I nearly hit a Stephen guy. Stefan has a habit of swiping the bo- swiping it so that it veers direct diagonally to the right no, over the whoa, fence whoa, whoa. of the driving range onto the veer, actual golf course. It doesn't veer diagonally. It sets off arrow straight, and then as it gains altitude, 
it just peels off to the right and does a perfect curve. It's because you want slicing it? I don't it. know, like, a couple of the ones that you did just went straight diagonal <laughs> off the fucking side. It's because you it want was, slicing if it. it was, if it was a video game, it would be like shooting a gun and the bullet going off screen to the right immediately. Oh, so COD? Yeah. <laughs> Online. <laughs> yeah. The hitbox is on COD, yes. I ha- I have a shotgun. Bang, bang, bang. In the face. You're two foot in front of me. How are you not dead? Yeah. Oh, you're pissed. Well, I'm dead. <laughs> I remember running around with just pistols back in people's days because the pistols had the most accurate fire firing. Yeah, and then the, like, the fix, line fixed it by making the pistols completely inaccurate. Yeah, or the recoil ridiculous, so you fire yeah. one shot and it just went skyward. Yeah, <laughs> basically, you go like that, you go <laughs> start shooting the ceiling after your first shot. Yeah, but yeah, but the recoil <laughs> yeah, is so like low every... down. Every gun is a fifty cal. You're a trained soldier. You can take six gunshots to the chest before dying. But you get get hold of a nine millimeter pistol, and as soon as you fire one shot, you're pointing at the sky. Yeah, my favorite ones are the ones where no bullet hits the man, but then they just die anyway out of sympathy. It's like, eh, you try. Yeah. You're obviously a stormtrooper. I'll give you it. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, honestly, I feel like Call of Duty missed a trick by not. Introducing a skin that is a stormtrooper. Probably couldn't get the license in. <laughs> yeah, I remember. I remember there was one. There was one game where you could get a white camo, and it looked quite close to stormtrooper, but yeah. just enough to avoid licensing. Well, this is the thing because and it didn't have the helmet. Nothing is more arsy and dickish about licensing than Disney. Yeah. Shut up, Jay. <laughs> <laughs> To, to, Just because to, to they be want to know where you want to sit on an airplane that you're not getting on. Yes. <laughs> to to be fair, the um the Lucasfilm as well had issues. Like sometimes they would be pretty cool. There's been a lot of cases where a fan decided to make something and Lucasfilm just went, "Yeah, fuck it, that's canon because it's awesome." But there have been a lot of times where someone's tried to make something and they've gotten pissy and refused to do it until something drastic happened. Like yeah. stuff like with Star Wars Fury. I just don't like the fact that there's, like, I've been looking at Star Wars books recently, I've been on Waterstones website, and I've been looking at books, because I'm in, I'm really into my books at the minute, but specifically, I've, like, found a new love for Star Wars books, because there's so many different things. The issue that I've got with it, though, is that the amount of them that are now classed as Legends books, because the canon has been ruined <coughs> by the sequel trilogy. Yeah. The whole of Star Wars. Fuck the sequel trilogy. The whole of Star Wars was ruined by the sequel trilogy. If they come out and say the sequel trilogy is not canon, it's just legends, and they make legends canon, then Star Wars will be saved. Yes, the yes, ma- yeah, Hi, Mandalorian. I absolutely adore um, Rebels and Clone Wars and uh, Bad Batch. 
I love. I'm seeing that. I'm yet. looking forward to. I'm looking forward to the updating stuff, to the new stuff like Andor and the Boba Fett and the continuation of Mandalorian. And Ahsoka. And Ahsoka, I do like the sequel films. If I think of them not as Star Wars films, if I think of them as sort of spin-off Star Wars films, like Solo was and like Rogue One was, I quite enjoy them. But it's because they're classed as the sequels. That I, I, I have agree an issue with, with them because, because I definitely because I like the Solo film and I like the Rogue yeah. One film. The Rogue One film, especially, I think that should just be a canon film by default. Yeah, it's amazing. I, I was just going to say I definitely agree with that because I I really enjoyed Rogue One and it wasn't necessarily a better film. It's just the fact that it wasn't classed as you know one of the sequels. I will say, Jin Erso has more character development in that one film than Rey has in three. <laughs> She's a Palpatine. I mean, Skywalker. Wait, can I just... Kyle, Jay has yes. his own entire podcast dedicated to ranting about films, and then you've made that into this now. No, it's just, I mean, it's because it's... Jay hasn't invited us onto his to talk about Star Wars. That's right, why. so we're just going to take over this. This is. Yeah, he has. He was going to make sign a waiver. <laughs> oh yes, get me on already. I want to talk about stalls. I want to have a three-hour rant on stalls. So do I. Get me all on. We'll just yeah, get we'll all on rant about stalls. Fuck off, being sound bored. What's this he's playing? He's playing his own podcast on our podcast. <laughs> it is me. You. When did I do that? Last year. <laughs> Jay, he has so little respect for your show that he forgot he was a guest on it. Oh, Jay's left. Send me the link to that episode. <laughs> I need to re-listen to that episode. I've completely forgotten everything about it. God, Kyle's been on so many other people's podcasts that he's forgotten about it. He's been no, he's been horrible himself at all. <laughs> How long's the episode? I feel like if it's not an hour and a half, I've let myself down from my rant. <laughs> yes! Exactly an hour and a half, basically. And I could go longer, that's because I bet you it's because Jay's, Jay had to say, Kyle, we're ending now. Kyle, we're ending now. It's because I just constantly want to rant and do a new rant. I feel like I could make an entire series of just me ranting on Star Wars, and it would just Definitely. loop continuously. We're going to have a series about you ranting about Star Wars. Another, The next season could be just an entire season of Jay ranting about Lord of the Rings. <laughs> that would be, like, non-existent then. Jay, was that episode, like, two years ago or something? Yeah. He's... Last year, Kyle. It was last year. It was during the pandemic. Right, if, okay, I'm going to stop now then. If anybody wants to hear me ranting full pelt about Star Wars, go and check out May the 4th Be With You bonus episode on Ramblings with Jay Finlayson, available on Spotify. You can also, you, you know, you can check out his whole channel when you're there if you want, not just that one episode. <laughs> no, just check out that one episode. Listen to me <laughs> rambling about Star Wars. Then you'll get my hatred for Rey in the sequels in that thing. Yeah. To be fair, wasn't that before the Mandalorian and stuff really came out? Yes. So it was like before Disney redeemed itself. Yes, it was just after yes. Rise of Skywalker, wasn't it? I think so. 
Who's around that time? Jay's gone. Yeah, yeah. That's always good. Oh no, Jay's gone. That's always a good sign. It's it's ruined. It's still recording. Oh, but this is where it comes back and it's not recording him. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, this... Well, if we have to restart, I'll just stop. I'll just not have the argument and I'll just end up to be... skipping to check out Jay's podcast. To be oh, fair, <laughs> if, if um, we'll have to restart, we haven't actually started the topic yet. No. We're actually, ram- we're um, actually rambling on more than usual. Yeah. We are rambling on more than usual. What time did we start? 15 uh, minutes ago, I think. There you go. Jordan's on the timer. Is Jay recording? Uh, Jay's not recording. And if Jay hits record, he'll record and we won't. Well, Jay's recording. Oh, no, right, no it's still recording. Holy fuck. Yes, good, go, continue, no, keep going. Nothing happened. Yeah. We totally okay, smoothed out quick... the fact that you weren't here, no one knows. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna Came back I, I'm gonna quickly quickly jump onto the first topic just in case Jay's in that decides we're not recording anymore and I have to do all this shit again. <laughs> Speed can I can I do my topic first? No What is your topic? About a twenty lo- twenty wait a minute. Yes, yes you can I've just remembered yeah, what it is. I knew what it was. Yeah. I've just remembered what it is, yes you can. I don't. Why am I left out? Why have because I Because you're about to learn shit, okay? Literally. You're, you're about to learn useful <laughs> facts that will be involved in... What the fuck's it called? Oh, what's the game? The trivia game. Trivial Pursuit. Trivial Pursuit. Oh, that's the one. Which we need to play right. some name. Kyle? I don't start Trivia Pursuit because me and Ashley had a dispute about Trivia Pursuit. You had a dispute about Trivia Pursuit? Pursuit. I... I've got Trivial Pursuit and I want to dispute that. What John's about to talk about, not a question in it. <laughs> it should be. <laughs> Ashley's... Ashley's got the Harry Potter version. Nina wants oh, the Harry Potter version of Trouble and Pursuit because we've just got the little mini one. I'll get Lucy to Versa and we'll see which and, one's more of a Harry Potter now. Oh, I feel like, I feel like well. it will be like the Monop- I feel like it'll be the Monopoly game where it goes on for three days and then eventually they give up. Yeah. I bought Nina the box set and that was a mistake because uh, now every te- single time I sit down next to her I have to watch Harry Potter. You Wally. <laughs> Wait, wait, no. You, Dobby. Fuck off. Here's the elf. <laughs> Anyways, back to some thing about human shit. Literally. <laughs> Enough of our shit, let's talk about actual Great shit. Great, Jordan, you need to pick up your microphone. Oh, for God's sake. Well, it's your fault for being quiet. It, it, it's already taped. What are you doing? Why didn't you just use a headset mic? <laughs> <laughs> Because I don't. You've got a headset mic on your head. We can see it. Yeah. <laughs> Just because you lean out of frame, it doesn't mean that it's not there. Anyway, anyways. <laughs> He's still leaning out of frame. Oh, He's sick. cutting himself off. <laughs> the largest known human poo is 20 centimetres long <coughs> and dates back to a 9th century Viking. It would be a Viking, wouldn't it? That had to hurt. What? No, it didn't come out sideways. It could have. <laughs> I doubt it. Don't you send me this? <laughs> Hold on. I need to... Why are we looking for the why? Wannels. Well, yeah, well, 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 uh, I don't have the sound for Wally What did he eat? Or she? Like, what did they eat to do that? Right. I think it's best not a question that. Right. Also, why is it pictured like a fucking museum exhibit log? Because in a mu- it's in a museum. There is a poo museum. 
It looks like a jigsaw Why? piece. Oh, yeah, that right. went off Anyways, it's... Ha- it looks like a bird It's housed brownie. in a museum and has been described as irreplaceable as the crown jewels. <laughs> okay. Can I go to the museum and just pour water on it so it dissolves? Um, the largest human, the largest human poo, has been recorded. We have on record might astound and shock, surprise, or repulse you. It's uh, it's infamous and revered that it is housed in a museum that has even been likened to as valuable as jewels from the British monarchy. Why have there is a poo museum in the Isle of Wight? Called the National Poo Museum. I bet that's a shit. It, it was recovered. It was f- uncovered in 1972 in the UK. <gasps> oh, Kyle! What did they eat back then? Um, it says here it measures 20 centimeters long and five centimeters wide. Ooh, there's gonna sting. <laughs> Which is absolutely that. That is. <laughs> That that that's like that. Just it sounds painful. While there'll be a plenty of people who will claim to have expelled something far larger after a heavy night of drinking or after completing one hell of a food challenge. Yes, but I bet you it would have been fucking watery compared. This one has been officially recognised. Oh, who who officially recognises shit? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely the eight, That came apparently from meat and bread. Dude. Okay. And it's described as Stefan's, everyone's favourite word, moist. No. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Don't do moist. No. <laughs> moist Tyler, and petty. Can you remember the poozine that I found in Australia? I found a better one. Definitely, Kyle. It's apparently where you can go and appreciate poop drawn by celebrities, draw your own poop, look at poop goods from around the world. Uh, It's in a factory, various poop and poop goods. It's called the Unco Museum. Um, And stuff's available for purchase. Pumice, sorry. Hold on, I'm just going to... There is... Pinnacle of the World Famous Poop Museum. Um, It's called the Unco Museum. It's at York! There is a photogenic space where those who cannot be satisfied with ordinary Instagrammable photos will be very happy to take pictures with various pictures of poops in the surreal flying poop and colourful shiny poop room. Uh, there are what, games why? using your body, such as stepping on poop projector on the floor, and nostalgic crappy games, and more that will get kids excited. Even adults can feel like a kid again. And there's the intelligence area. This academic area will surely satisfy your intellectual curiosity. You can appreciate poop drawn by celebrities, draw your own poop, or look at poop goods from around the world. There is a poop factory where you can get souvenirs. There is a crappy arcade. Highly uh, Enjoy highly toxic crappy games. Uh, and then it says, getting the high score will be more satisfying than taking a big dump. Then there's Unberto's room. Here where the giant Unberto, the guardian angel of the Unco Museum, sits enshrined in a spiritual poop power spot. It's connected to the mysterious cosmic space and will greatly increase your luck. Right? But do you I, want... f- I feel 
I feel like that's the only time a game has ever been called crappy and, like, it meant good. <laughs> but, in my screen, Kyle, do you know why this is so good and it's so you? That's the most Japanese thing I've ever seen. It's in fucking Tokyo. Of course it is. Look at it! Tokyo literally has a mascot, which is a poop head. Come on. Yeah. They say it in the... <laughs> Do you want to see Umberto? There he is. <laughs> yeah, that that makes sense, honestly. The Unko Museum in Tokyo. Well, we'll, go well, 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 this... Oh, God. Hey. Right. Oh, Jay, right, no. don't use laughing trucks. I will fucking slap you from here to Afghanistan. <laughs> <laughs> that was and then a weirdly I'll fucking specific leave you insult. There. Can I carry on with the last? Can I carry on the last bit? About the well, human. Go on, I mean, about uh, the human uh, yeah. It's because you stop. You have massive pauses. Just go for it. Go, go, go. Right. Apparently, apparently, the man who did this historic and record-breaking turd wasn't exactly in tip-top shape. There were several hundred parasitic eggs found in the poo, which suggested to the researchers that the 9th century man was riddled with intestinal worms. Is that the meat that was for the bread? Yeah, must have been off. <laughs> and we can go visit it. What, what the poo? Just yeah. that one poo or the whole museum? No, the whole museum, but uh, it's in York. Alright, so we can go there, then we can go to the Isle of Wight, the Pooh Museum, the National Pooh Museum in the Isle of Wight, then we can go to the Pooh Museum in Australia, and then we can go to the Uncle Museum in Tokyo. What was it called? Unk, Unk, Unk? Yeah, I'm just saying Unk. Yeah. Repeatedly. No, no, um, you're just going Unk, The, unk, the unk, turd unk. is now housed in York's Archaeological Resource Centre and suffered a devastating incident in 2003 when a school trip visited. <gasps> yes, please tell me someone, someone cut a bit off or some shit. A teacher accidentally knocked the display and the poo came crashing down and broke into three pieces. <laughs> yeah, that's why it looks like a jigsaw puzzle in the picture. Someone's legitimately had to puzzle it back together. Officials have since restored it to its pooey glory and you can see it back intact now. They glued it back together. Is that why it's moist? Yeah, that's why it's moist. How did they put it back together? Do you think they had a poo and used that to stick it? That would just be so fucking painful. I literally had to glue shit back together. Actually, it's that's the thing. You know how you you know you know how you've got gorilla glue. I wonder if anybody in a museum exhibitions ever had to oh. glue a gorilla together with gorilla glue. Dude, have I ever told you about the cheap gorilla glue that's actually better than gorilla glue or no money or whatever it's called? That's called sticks like shit. Yes. I wonder oh. if they use that. <laughs> Sticks like shit. To stick the yes, shit together. Yes, it does. <laughs> right. I'm going to move before from you do, Kyle, shit. Before you do, on my tour of the world of poo museums, I found one in Tokyo, one in Korea, one in uh, the Isle of Wight, uh, one in Florida, and one in China. 
and one in Australia. For worldwide tour of shit. Just shit museum. So, so the one in Australia being upside the world down. Shit tour. <laughs> can we like? Can we legit do a tour of shit? The shittest tour known to man. Definitely. Well, we'll, well if we get if we get an office, just get Stefan a shit in a bowl. There you go. What is it? Why are you obsessed with my shits? It's my farts that are fucking known. <laughs> <laughs> it's because of your farts, we assume your shits are worse. No, my shit, my farts are like that because my shits aren't. Your farts are like that because your shits are just water. It's because most of, 90% of me is air. You know, most 70% of humans are water. You're just, you're just air. <laughs> yeah. Basically helium. You're just a hot air balloon. <laughs> Thanks. We'll get a lighter behind your arse and you can take off like a rocket. Either that or it'll severely burn your arms. <laughs> yeah. Right, I'm gonna move from this fucking shit topic <laughs> to one about the human body and the organs of which you would probably fucking damage having a shit that big, honestly. Uh, but out of the organs, the liver is extremely special. Can anybody guess why our liver is so much more special than any other organ. Is that because it's the only organ in the human body that regenerates? Yes, it is. Well done, Jordan. Yeah, you 10 basically... points to Gryffindor. Yeah, because you... Yeah, you were quicker than me. That I'll give you that one. I want to see what you're going to say. The... <laughs> As well, you actually physically... Obviously, you know that if you drink a lot over a long period of time, you can completely damage your liver. But every time you no drink alcohol, no alcohol, it does actually damage it to what a normal... Most of the other organs wouldn't recover from, but your liver actually does regenerate itself. Yeah, it regenerates after. It does. It's, it's like three or four days, isn't it? That you've really damaged as it. As little yeah. as as little as twenty five percent of a liver can regenerate into a full liver. I think there is an issue though, where basically, if you have long term damage to it, it will not regenerate because it's just complete long term damage. So if you drink for twenty years straight, I don't think you're gonna be able to have it back to like back to how it was i think it's still going to be damaged. that's why they do transplants yes <laughs> and that's why you cannot drink if you have your liver removed Ew. but i just i feel like there's potential in that where if we can somehow figure out exactly how it does it and somehow transplant it into other organs we could legitimately regenerate stuff it may get to the point where you could regenerate limbs. Isn't that what they use stem cells for, basically? It is, but there's always like bits and pieces. Like, for example, you can grow an organ on an animal and transplant it from the from the animal by using stem cells and stuff. I don't know if there's any way to completely regrow an organ or like completely fix a damaged organ to that extent. I don't think you could get twenty five percent of a lung and then regrow it completely. Yet, I think you, you would have to have some sort of transplant or something. I think you can but, use stem cells, but it's not that easy. Yeah, I think in the future, if we manage to like harness that, which I'm sure we're already doing because we've been working on cloning and growing organs and animals and all sorts for years, I'm sure somebody's working on it. But if we could harvest that, imagine like someone in a war zone getting the arm shot off, and then like it might take a couple of years, sure. Well, and then make them look like Jack, Jack's eventually, off, uh, yeah, eventually getting your arms back. Not exactly like Jax, because he would have fucking robot arms, but yeah, being able to just regrow your limbs eventually. 
It's it would be like an extremely slow Deadpool. Hopefully without the cancer skin though. And the tiny knob. When you have grown up. <laughs> Only when he's a baby. <laughs> Only when he's your baby. <laughs> when next. he gets his little half cut off. <laughs> you, then you That's a question. <laughs> That's a question. Does it always regrow to the same size? <laughs> well, you he regrows to the same age, just over a much quicker re- period. So he regrows to the same age, and he regrows to the same sort of proportion. Like his legs his don't cells. get longer or shorter. Yeah. So. So it's. But I wonder if there's any sort of variable. So that at no. some point he's just like, oh fuck, it went too small. Think, chop off. There we go. That's better. I think it's regenerative. It regenerates to what it was. It regenerates the same as the cells were. He, look, he, look, he looks like uh, Rocking Still when he hits that little man. Merry adventure. He has been away on a merry adventure. I just realised. I didn't at all know. He's quick, <laughs> quick, quick, quicker than the fellowship. He's came back. Jay? Nothing. Oh, hi. My internet's gone shit. Yeah, and that's just going funny. Yeah. Oh no. Right. Um. Would anybody like to try and link to the human body, or shall I, I move on to, to someone? Okay, good. Because got... I have a link to someone being pissy as fuck, pissing off the police, and then doing it again. Right. Well, I've got to the sound of the police. One is how many sphincters do you have, Kyle? Sphincters. How many what sphincters? Yes. Isn't it? You've got quite a few because it's just different parts of your body. It would you, well, it's not. It's it's not just one like some people think. Well, even if you just think it's the obvious, uh, then there's two, because you have an internal one. So you have a one further up than the one that you generally regard, which is completely involuntary, and that basically holds yeah. until your bowels are full. Then it releases. Then you have the one where you feel like you need to go to the toilet, and you can hold that. That's a voluntary muscle that you can hold for a certain amount of time. So even there, you have two. Uh, would you like to guess in your body, roughly? Just give us a number. 50. Fifty. 120. 120. Jay? He's gone. Actually, it's a human body. Can I transplant that to like a thousand? I'm you saying, can, but you're slow in here. I'm saying 50. It is literally millions. Too many to count. Uh, and that's because, if you think about it, the Damn definition it, of a sphincter... The definition of a sphincter is a circular band of muscle that contracts, and, and so they can be involuntary or voluntary. Uh, so oh, so you'll you'll have loads all all through your digestive system when you swallow. There's hundreds in your throat and stuff like that. But also every blood vessel, every blood vessel can expand and contract, and the capillaries that let them in and out the bloodstream. So all of them are sphincters, and they are circular. So yeah, yeah. so literally okay. loads. Um, Ah, my other, well, where was my other body do? You have to give us a second here. Uh, okay. Uh, by linking, well, why, why, English Kyle. While you're doing that, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna link into the it with the fact that. I told you this before, um, but when you're about 30 feet underwater, blood appears green due to the red having been filtered out by the water and everything because the sunlight, sunlight is what makes our things turn green, turn red, sorry. It's like this cushion here looks red because of light and different variables. Yeah. If I was to take it underwater to about thirty feet it, or like below, it would eventually turn green to the eye. Because red light doesn't penetrate creatures. Very far. 
Yes, yeah, so it's it's why mo- when you see most sea creatures, such as like most sea things about submarines and stuff, and you see the outside, it's always sort of greens and blues and stuff. Like any any fish that have fluorescent sort of colourings usually have greens and blues and stuff. I will say though, it does help make a landscape look alien, because subconsciously, so like there's some part of your subconscious that sort of figures that out, especially if you've seen movies and stuff. And it's one of the reasons why games like Subnautica and stuff like that, it looks so alien for you to go through a forest that's like hundreds of feet below that is red or like shade different shades of red. It's because it looks so alien. It's not just because it's red and it looks creepy. It's because it's literally impossible on Earth for it to be that colour. Do you know how we say Americans are dumbasses? Well, yes. This might prove that this one American might not be a dumbass, but it's your opinions. Hold on. Uh, Before you do that, Jordan, just hold on. America. There's no such thing as American. America, not a dumbass. No. Just I know what, that, that wasn't a sentence, but I know what it was meant to be. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, Same. Also, I shit myself because the little voice came out of the box that hasn't done anything for 10 minutes. Kyle, uh, <laughs> that is when you think about it, so. Going on with your light theory, which is why I wanted to stop Jordan a second, um, is that when you think about certain creatures like lobsters and crabs and stuff that live deep in the sea, is that, so then they would appear under normal or under normal light conditions to fish that can see like UV and stuff like that and can see these fluorescent colours that we can't see, that we can't detect without the light. They would appear it's like, it's like, like the tiger camouflage. Yeah. So they, they would blend in. Um. Which kind of makes yeah, sense. It's it, it's very much like the tiger camouflage, where we see them and we think, oh, that's stupid stupid natural evolution. Why are the bright orange? You can see them from miles away. But Diaz can't see orange, they just see it as green, so they're just two different shades of green. Yeah. You want to, t- you want to talk about stupid camouflage, right? Cows is a... A cow is a, like a, you know... A prey. Yeah. Right. Need my professor alone. Black and white and a stand and a stand in the field. Black and white Frisian cows is because it's like when it's well, all right then. So by that logic, zebras stand in the middle of the fucking brown savanna. Isn't there some? It's to do. It's not to do with us looking yeah. at them. It's to do with their natural predators looking at them. Can't the the patterns make it look broken up and kind of disorients the predators? It's not it's nothing to do with us. We see different to most yeah. animals. Plus, there have there have been like if you look at an actual image of a zebra sort of lying down in the like savanna, the, like the areas where it naturally is, yeah. sometimes it's quite hard for even humans to see them mm-hmm. because it's in its natural environment and it's it's not being pictured by a wildlife photographer who's purposefully trying to show you this animal, so it finds it when it's completely exposed. When it's naturally being stealthy and stuff, a lot of animals, despite the fact that they are fucking bright orange or bright white or bright blue or whatever, do blend in really well. It's like when you see birds that are bright, like, parrot colours, but if you were to look up in a canopy of trees, you, you, you wouldn't see the fucker. Yeah. Or sharks, sharks with the <clears throat> sort of darkish top, but bright, b- bright white Well, that, that does make sense when you think about it, because when you're looking down from above, it looks blue. Or grey, which is what colour the water looks, and when you look up from above, it looks white, which is what colour the sky looks. So that makes sense. 
and that that makes complete sense to me that was the other thing i was going to say as well when you look into water it always like the sea and the oceans and stuff always look either blue or green or gray or black or they never look like red because like you're saying that the red light doesn't react yeah uh, isn't there a isn't there a blue lobster that is actually it's rare and like a delicacy? It's really lobsters expensive. Lobsters can shit. actually come in pretty much any colour, but yeah, yeah, there is a it's like it, a it's bright like, fluorescent blue and it's absolutely gorgeous. Uh, shrimp, yeah, it's, most, it's meant most... to be like really expensive because it's got it's got yeah. like better meat or something, yeah. or it's one of those posh things of. It's got better meat, so we can charge more because it's a different colour. Most, despite the fact that lobster used to be a poor person's meal. It it did, yeah. But most um, shrimps and stuff like that are like um, or, that are in the family of lobsters can be really bright colours. What I will say about lobsters, you know what I learned about lobsters, and this this wasn't something I was going to talk about right now, but it links with this, so I'll carry on the conversation. Is the male lobsters, right? Are like wildly aggressive and they urinate out of like glands near their eyes, so they basically piss out the face. Um, and two lobsters come across each other, male lobsters that they've never met each other, and they'll just fight. And they've done scientific experiments on this, and it will go around the tank and fight, and then they'll go around and it'll go around and it'll meet, they'll fight again. But if there's one that's dominant and wins, because the, when they're angry and they're fighting, they piss out their eyes, it's like a chemical signal. The less yeah. lobster recognizes that, so the next time, after two or three times, he knows he's not going to win. So they come around. That one gets the the dominant one. They both get aggressive and release their signal or whatever. The submissive one realizes that it's the dominant one that's already beat them up and will then stop pissing and retreat. But the what I did learn is in the wild because sometimes they live in little colonies, even though they're totally like um, twats. Yeah, <laughs> and they don't get on well. Is that the the alpha male is so like aggressive, the dominant male, that it will just fight everybody and it'll go around it'll fight everybody all the time uh, and when it's in its little burrow the females obviously want to mate with it it's the dominant guy in that so what they'll do is they'll go and but he'll attack them as well so they urinate into the thing and keep pissing and pissing and pissing until he calms down because the chemical signal calms him down then they mate but then every single night before all the lobsters go to bed which is my favorite thing about this one that's a dominant male that can beat up anyone he's the best lobster will go around the little burrows so the little houses he'll basically go around his neighborhood and beat the shit out of all the other lobsters just so that they know he's still dominant <laughs> and then go to sleep <laughs> that's how aggressive we are nobody knows why there's like no need for it <laughs> he just goes so on what we've learned today everyone. kids we've learned that lobsters are the, are the sea's version of chihuahuas what we've learned is lobsters are the sea's version of chihuahuas, but they also have a piss fetish. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that is fucking ridiculous. Isn't there, like, a scientific reason why lobsters and crabs evolved a certain way and why they walk, like, that way? It's, like, least resistance or some shit, but c- crabs and lobsters are basically the same. It's just the crabs were lobsters but lost the tail or some shit like that. And it's why if you pick up a crab, uh, the, the... it'll still Bambi. have, like, a flap where it, it'll still have, like, a flap where it's basically devolved to a point where it doesn't need the, need the tail or anything anymore, but it's still got the little flap to sort of indicate that it, at one point it was very much the shape of a lobster. I'm sure it was something like that. And also the fact that everything will eventually devolve into crabs or evolve into crabs. Like, there's a scientific route where everything has a chance to become crab. Um... So, basically, I don't know about the thing, but crabs are much more diversified. Lobsters only live in the ocean. Crabs will live in seawater, freshwater, semi-aquatic. They'll just live anywhere. I want a crab. Generally, lobsters are bigger. Um, 
Yeah, and 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 I don't think there's much different. They they do say that the meat is pretty much interchangeable. Um, but yeah, I can if Jordan. Yes. If you want to go with what you were going to talk about, I will quickly look into if crabs and lobsters have a common ancestor or where they evolved from. Right, this topic. This I'm, topic. I'm sure it. I'm sorry. I'm, sorry. I'm just quickly. I'm sure it was crabs evolved from lobsters because I read it was some sort of cooking show or something where they were saying like it still has the flap from when it evolved. Right, Jordan. Sorry. Right, go. this involves you. You've got a picture. Oh no. No. Right. Pick a state in America. Any state. I don't know any states in America. Texas. Is that a state? I don't know. Yes. I Ohio. just know it's a twat place. Ohio. Right. Illinois. Wait a minute, one by one. We'll go Tennessee. Ohio. I don't know what states are. Right, so this is the weirdest laws passed in America, American states. Oh, God. Ah! Right? Fun. So, for Stephens, Ohio, if you're, if you're a dangerous animal escapes, you have to report to the authorities. That is a law that got passed. So... Oh, hold on, so if I'm in Ohio... If, if, if you, Badger, if you are a dangerous animal, you have to report yourself to the authorities, no, or if you if have you... a dangerous animal, you have to report if it. If your dangerous animal no, escapes. No, if your dangerous animal gets loose. So you can have a pet grizzly bear, it's just if it gets loose, you have to be worried. So it says, next time you're on the... Well, cra- th- that sort of makes sense. Cause it, yeah. Sorry, it's like when people own snakes and stuff. If a snake escapes, you've got to report it, otherwise a snake will just be randomly going on the street. So it says, next time you're in Grand Rabbits... Ohio, be careful with your foreign animal. The law requires that the owner or keeper of any member of species of the animal kingdom that escapes from the owner's or keeper's custody or control that is not ingenuous to the state or presents a risk of serious physical harm to persons or property must report the escape to the authorities within one hour. Basically, big big law firms speak for if you lose your animal, report it within one hour or we'll fine you. So, Kyle, you, you said Texas, didn't you? I did, because it's the only state I could think of, because I don't know if Florida has a state. Florida has a state. Florida's, uh, a, Florida's in a state. In a state, yeah. Uh, okay. Texas. I, Texas. D- I couldn't even remember if so Florida was part of America. the ever passed in Texas was, you can get married by proxy. You can. You can literally tell someone to go there and say, right, you, you're, you represent me. In Texas, marriage yeah, by I've proxy are perfectly legal. In other words, if you have a legitimate reason for absence, like military service, you can send someone to get married in your place as long as you have all the right documentation. Yeah. So, if I wanted, I could, like... Ooh. I think that's actually... No. I'm about to say, I think that's how one of my friends got married, but I don't think they did it that way. I'm going to pick one now. Washington. It's illegal to kill Bigfoot. Yeah. Is Washington a state? Yeah, I've heard that. Yeah, it's the, yeah, it's the capital? I thought it was just the capital. Uh, I've got one for you, and it's in California. Ooh. Go on. Uh, it's a fantastic thing. All DUI convicts are made to sign the Watson Admonishment, right, which forces them to acknowledge the danger of drinking under the influence. If you are then the cause of a fatal DUI after signing it, you are charged with murder instead of manslaughter because you've legally stated, I understand the risks of this, I will not do this again, and then you have done it again. 
However, one of the things that I think they should do is stop making law documents so fucking incomprehensible because this is the text for that law is you are hereby advised that being under the influence of alcohol or drugs or both impairs your ability to safely operate a motor vehicle. Therefore, it is extremely dangerous to human life to drive while under the influence of alcohol or drugs or both. If you continue to drive while under the influence of alcohol or drugs or both, and as a result of that driving, someone is killed, you can be charged with murder. The advisory statement may be included in a plea form if used, or the fact that the evidence... Blah, 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 blah. Basically... They've repeated themselves three times. All you didn't need to say, if you continue to, dri- to drive while under the influence of alcohol or drugs or both, just say, if you continue to drive while under the influence, you've already stated what under the influence means twice in that fucking paragraph. Right. Law firms, download Grammarly. Right. No. For fuck's no, sake. No. Or no. Check. Do not download Grammarly because the advert's fucking annoying. Actually, don't Grammarly. download Grammarly. Be- and it's American I will English, agree. so it's Gram- all wrong. And I will agree, I Grammarly is shit. They do it because law, in law, all documentation, all laws, everything to do with law has to be r- ridiculously anally specific to what's going on. So they do repeatedly repeat themselves because it needs to be the, the- because any tiny little dent in any word or anything like that can just be totally woke. There is... The whole, the, is the whole, you need to be anally specific, but there's being anally specific anally. and there's just being fucking stupid yes, and repeating yourself six times. We're not talking about sphincters anymore, Jordan. Don't get excited. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I've, got um, involved, I've got involved with our law in Oklahoma. Oh. <laughs> can, right, you, Oklahoma. You can guess. Wait, it's America. The law could be anything. It's legal for you to shoot a child in the face if they annoy you. That should be legal everywhere. Don't right. say that like it's a weird law. It's weird that it's not a law. So you also shoot... shoot <laughs> what's, go on, Kyle. Just say whatever comes to your mind. That? It is, legal, it, is, <laughs> it is legal to shoot someone that pisses you off as long as you do it with a .22 caliber weapon. Steph, just <laughs> to throw that, some specificity weirdly... into it. Stefan? <laughs> oh, fuck, I've already Just to make it specific. <laughs> Shit, I brought my 50 car. <laughs> <laughs> Stefan, what's your guess? Oklahoma. It is legal to fuck a crocodile. No, that's a that's nope, Florida. Florida. <laughs> I would rather say that's I don't Texas. Know, man. That, that's rather Hillbilly, Texas. Yeah, isn't Oklahoma a? Uh, oh, it could be way out here, but isn't that a southern state, like a farming state? Yeah, totally I feel wrong. like Oak, every, everything that I've ever seen that has Oklahoma is always to do with a farm, and it's usually a corn farm. It was known for its cow- in a horror film. It's always the one that's named in like cowboy films. I see cowboy films, I'm used to, like, Texas and stuff like that. I I suppose in in cowboy films, if if you, if they talk about farm boys, it's usually Oklahoma or somewhere like that. So yeah, Uh, yeah, fair do. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know America well enough. I just know it as the big nuke land that needs to be shot. The land of dumbasses. The land of fallout. Jay? How well Stefan's thinking? Jay-Z. No, Jay-Z. Can I <laughs> blow everyone's mind with my other body thing, which is very brief? Go on, then. Is that the brain is the only thing that's ever named itself? It is very true, yeah. 
Am I picking an American state? No, yes. yeah. <laughs> no, you're, 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 you're trying to guess. You've got to guess. You can tell he hasn't been listening. You've got to guess you just can't even the conversation. You're trying to guess what what the stupid law in Oklahoma is. And then is. you can guess it, um, then you can say uh, American state. The, is it about your cousin? Stupid. No. Can we mention a state from somewhere else? Um, can you throw us a random law from Iceland? From Iceland? <laughs> I can if you want. Stefan, find it. <laughs> I'm on a bus. I know, I, I know right, in Stephen, Oklahoma, it's illegal for women to um, do, do their own hair without being licensed by the state. That's not. Isn't the law. it Vietnam where you're you've got to wear a crash helmet if you unless you or, oh no it's somewhere where you're you're not wearing a crash it's, helmet it's, unless it's, yeah, you're on the way back from a hairdresser. Yeah, it was on Tokyo. I think it is Vietnam because mm. it's the one where they're all on mopeds. Do you, do you just give up, or Stephanie, you've got fault one? No. Yes, we give up. Go on. <laughs> Isn't it not illegal to shag a buffalo in Oklahoma as well? No, it's, it's probably illegal. Legal, legal oh. probably. No, it's <laughs> no. You're not allowed to eavesdrop. No eavesdropping. It's illegal to eavesdrop. How is that possible? People eavesdrop all the time. Technically, I, technically, Jay is tr- attempting to eavesdrop on this conversation, but isn't f- succeeding very right. well. It says, nosy people <laughs> might be wise to avoid Oklahoma. According to state law, every person guilty of secretly loitering about any building with intent to overhear disclosure therein and to repeat or publish the same to vex, annoy, or injure others is guilty of a misdemeanor. Um, okay, Kyle, do you want a weird law from Iceland? Yes, I want a weird law uh, from Iceland. Boxing's illegal. It's the only remaining... Boxing no- as in fighting? Or? Yeah, box as in physical yeah. boxing. Iceland is the only remaining Nordic country to forbid boxing, clinging to a 1956 ban event in the face of changes of heart from Norway and Sweden, which also long opposed the sport. Boxing was originally banned because residents directly attributed an increase in violent crimes to the sport's rise in popularity in the 30s and 40s. As a direct response to boxing's ban, alternative martial arts like judo, karate, MMA and taekwondo gained popularity in the country. In fact, one of the most popular figures in MMA is from Iceland. Gundar Nelson from Reykjavik is the sports poster child and has spawned the launch of several Icelandic MMA clubs. So Iceland went, right, we're banning boxing because that's far too aggressive and everyone was like, right, fuck you, MMA. Fair do. <laughs> Which is just... I'll, I'll, I'll jump further on that. You do that? Um, the... You know how we always say Italians like "eh, hey, bobbidi bobbidi" and all that sort of stuff. sides. I mean, Italians ha- Italians have the best sport ever, and I'm, I'm ashamed that I never knew it existed because it's been around for four hundred years. Yeah, <clears throat> yes, Kyle's Italian side coming out. It's a championship in Florence. <laughs> it's a championship in Florence, Italy. It's a combination of rugby and mixed martial arts using. It says I'm using in. a ball like a basketball, but what it actually means is a fucking football. I'm guessing it's just because Americans made this. It's an early form of football. It's called Calcio Florentino, or Fiorentino, which is historic football. It's originated in the 16th century. Once widely played, the sport is thought to have started in the Piazza Santa Croce in Florence. There it became known as Florentine Kick Game, or simply Calcio which is now also the name for association football in the Italian language. 
Uh, the rules are that the matches last 50 minutes and are played on a field covered in sand twice as long as it is wide. A white line divides the field into two identical squares and a goal net runs the width of each end. Each team has 27 players and no substitutions are allowed for injured or expelled players. Expelled? What are, is that like expelled as in sent off or expelled as in they died? Expelled as in, I'm guessing, either sent off or died. Uh, the teams are made up of four goalkeepers, three fullbacks, five halfbacks, 15 forwards. The captain and the standard bearers tent sits at the centre of the goal net. The so they've got a fucking standard bearers sent in the middle. They've got a flag very yeah. They do not actively participate in the game, but can organise their teams and occasionally act as referees, mainly to calm down their players or to stop fights. Hold on, what do you mean to stop fights? You said it was over there. Assuming it's like when, the, when they have to break up, like a sort of scrummage type thing. The referee and the six linemen officiate the match in collaboration with the judge commissioner who remains off the field. The referee, above everyone else, is the master of the field and is responsible for making sure the game runs smoothly. I mean, how the fuck can you do it? Shots from a small cannon or Kaluvine announces the beginning of the event. So it's started by a cannon. The game starts when the Palio, which is the... What the fuck is the Palio? I don't know, I'm guessing goalkeeper or something, the referee or something, throws and kicks the ball toward the centre line. Then, at the first whistle, as the ball first rests on the field, 15 forwards begin fighting in a wild mixed martial arts match, punching, kicking, tripping, hacking, tackling, and wrestling each other in an effort designed to tire opponents' defences, but which often descends into an all-out brawl. They try to pin and force into submission as many players as possible, once there are enough incapacitated players, the other teammates come and swoop up the ball and head towards the goal. So oh, yeah. it's literally the forwards just all get into a massive brawl, and then whichever side has has the most people standing at the end of the brawl tries to pick up the ball and go towards the next. So is that when what? the Italians will swap sides? Dude. Palio. Yes. What I do know is that the Palio isn't that a horse race in Italy. Hold on. Uh, yes, Palio de Siena. Pa- so it's a horse race that's held twice a year. Uh, Palio. Duh, 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 duh. I'm trying to find out what. Uh... Oh, they're going to say. No, but the Palio. But the thing is, I've put in, I've googled Palio, and English is Palium. I've found that Palio means well, the the plural is Palai. Yeah, um, yeah. The the palio's a horse. Well, the palio's a horse race. That's all I know. Basically, it looks like it's just a. Um... Maybe it's to do with a horse. I do know that in Greek it means cloak, and historically it means a fine piece of cloth used as a prize in certain competitions. So I'm assu- I'm assuming it's like the person who it's. I'm, I'm assuming, assuming it's like the, the referee, um, the flag bearers, or something. Dude, I'm assuming from this that the referee is a. Man that is shirtless and bareback on a horse wearing a cape. That's what I'm getting from. I mean, this. I will. I will say the images. Oh God, I found are beautiful. The 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 images. It looks like a mix between fucking Shaolin monks t- carrying a football and charging at people each other full pelt, 
and what looks like a renaissance parade of just flags with people in fancy dress type costumes like the renaissance styles renaissance that's not what you said the first day renaissance you said renaissance Renaissance. Re- it French. is the Renaissance. The Renaissance. It is the Renaissance. <laughs> um, for, the for once the once the once they've incapacitated each other, from this moment on, the players try by any means necessary, and it means any means fucking necessary, to tr- to get the ball into the opponent's goal. The teams change sides with every goal scored. It is important to shoot with precision because oh. every time a player throws or kicks the ball above the net, the opposing team is awarded with half a goal. So if you miss, the opposing team is awarded half a point. The game ends after 50 minutes oh. and the team which scored the most points wins. I've got a couple of issues here. First of all, after every goal, the team swaps ends. So do they yeah. have to move that guy in the tent? Do they have to move the whole tent and everything in it to the other end? Or do the two guys swap tents? Or do they end up away from the team so they can't actually communicate? I'm assuming they just swap sides. I'm assuming the tent stays stationary. It's just like normal, lo- normal standard tents, but the flag bearers move the flags to the and other side. My other question is, if the opposing <laughs> team goes for a shot and misses the goal... <coughs> Then you... Which is the width of the field, yeah, by the way. Yeah, it's the width of the entire... Basically, if you are so stupid that you miss the entire field, the other person gets off a point. I think that's nice. I think that's a bit lenient. Yeah, it it's usually about 100 metres by 50 metres. If you miss so that, you shouldn't the, be playing so the game. If you, if you, it's a 50 metre net. <laughs> Stevie Wonder, Wonder could score that. I think it's if you get it over, because I'm guessing it's one of those net one of those nets where it's, it, you could still get it over. <laughs> it's not 50 foot high. It's just like a normal size. But it, yeah, it's um along with the Palio, the winning team used to receive a Kiana, a type of pure breed cow. However, this has been reduced to a free dinner for the winning team. The other the so players Jordan earn no other compensation. Yeah. Jordan's the reward. But the players yeah. <laughs> earn no compensation. You don't get a medal or a trophy or like money or anything for it. You literally get a free meal and maybe something else and that's it. But it is fucking amazing. Yeah. Uh, apparently, it's in in the TV series Medici Masters of Florence. Apparently, it was in episode four. So, if anybody wants to go and check that out and see what it looks like, but from the images that they've shown, do you remember that? Do you remember that? Um. The film, I can't remember what it was, but it was like Shaolin monks play football. Shut. Yeah. It it was like it was an old film. It was like a wait, not old film, but it, it felt like a B movie. It was like a Shaolin monks play football, and it was weird as fucking Bruce Lee somehow not, ended up becoming the goalkeeper. Was it not called Shaolin soccer? Yes, it was. Yes. I was just googling it because I, I was thinking Shaolin football. I was thinking that's the name of it, but it didn't sound right. Yeah, it looks basically like that. It's just a bunch of people. One team wears blue, the other team wears orange, and they're just wearing, like, a lot. There's a lot of neither no shirts or just half sashes, but it it is just you beat the fuck out of each other until the other team is exhausted, and then you go and. So, like Jason Stephen, a mean machine. Like, try and score. Yeah, that's that's the first thing that came into my head. But that's just because he's called Monk. 
Yeah. But that's basically it. If you had every if every team had fifty of the monk on the pitch at the same time, that's what it would be. He's not the monk. I can, monk. I, I can I can link I've got a link to Italy. I can find one. Mm. He is introduced when the when the guy says oh, he is, yeah, okay, when yeah. the guy first introduces it, he does say the monk. Yeah, he does, but everyone else just calls him monk throughout the whole film it's like a nickname. So I don't know where he got the stuff from. Yeah. Well, probably because he's the only fucking monk in there. <laughs> it's a, a British prison. <laughs> it's a British prison, so... Me machine. <laughs> no. I just love the fact that he's so aggressive and just... I. Aye. That's the majority of what he says <laughs> in the film is... I. Little Scotland. Yep. <laughs> I've got a link to Italy. A link to Italy? You don't, you're jumping through... Things far too fast because we weren't finished talking about the human body in your way to America, and now you fucked off to Italy. I like going to Italy. Tough. I'm still in America. Baba the poopy. Um. So my my thing about America was about Mount Rushmore. Oh, Mount Rushmore. Um. Is isn't it? It might. Is this the thing where it's, it's got, technically it's got, incomplete? It, yeah, because they've got this. Um, Be- okay. Because they're fucked up. They've got, they've got, well, they've got all the pres- f- former presidents that, that actually deemed worthy of going onto that mountain. No, no, it's be- it's because it was it was going to be busts. It was going to have the shoulders. It was going to have part of the bodies. Yeah, but they fucked it up. So now it's just. So the head. I don't know if you can see that. Yeah, the original design. It was going to be up to like the waists, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was, but they kind of ran out of. Funding, but it's not going to be anyway. Isn't that basically um, the mountain with just all the founding fathers on? No, it was never going to. Well, it was never going to be that. The guy was com- com- commissioned to do it, and basically Roosevelt might not have been on it, um, but he basically just did it anyway because he liked it. Um, I get the feeling that he bought was... his way onto it because Roosevelt was rich as fuck. No, it wasn't. It was. It was basically. Um, uh, right, here we go. So, um, Borglum, who was the architect, wanted Mount Rushmore to become a shrine of democracy, as he called it, and wanted to carve four faces yes. in the mountain. Three, the three U.S. presidents seemed obvious choices, George Washington for being the first president, Thomas Jefferson for writing the Declaration of Independence and for making the Louisiana Purchase, and Abraham Lincoln for holding the country together during the Civil War. However, there was much debate as to who the fourth face should, should honour. Borglum wanted Teddy Roosevelt for his conservation efforts and for building the Panama Canal, and others wanted Woodrow Wilson for leading the US during World War One. Uh, ultimately, basically, he done what he wanted and just put Roosevelt there. <laughs> um, well, didn't 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 Roosevelt do something for do- democracy according to Americans as well? Well, yeah, that, that's the like, thing. He was, he, do... he was a big uh, conservationist and stuff. He was well into like nature and looking after things. He was good for America in a lot of different ways. And he kind of secured the Panama Canal for them, which was a big, big trade thing at the time, which they held for most of the 19th century, I believe, the 19th or 20th century, uh, 20th century, I think. Um, so, yeah, um, yeah, there's been uh, more people wanting to be on it stuff. But anyway, um, nobody died during the construction of it. And there is a secret room um, because Borgrum wanted, um, where where is it? Is is it the one where it's, isn't it like in the head of Lincoln? Yeah, or yeah. So he wanted he yeah. originally planned to carve more than just the figures. 
He was going to include words as well. The words were to be very a very short history of the United States, carved at the rock face, uh, in what he called the en- entablature. The entablature was to contain nine historical events that occurred between 1776 and 1906, be limited to no more than 500 words, and be carved into a giant 80 by 120 foot image of the Louisiana Purchase. He asked President Calvert Coolidge to write the words, and Coolidge agreed. However, when Coolidge submitted his first entry, Borglum disliked it so much that he completely changed the word before sending it to the newspapers. Coolidge was very upset and refused to write any more. <laughs> uh, the location <laughs> was changed a number of times, but the idea is that it would appear somewhere next to the carved images. Ultimately, it was discarded because the words would not be legible from a distance uh, and partly due to a lack of funds. So then he made a secret room uh, called the Hall of Records, which is 80 by 100 feet. Uh, he planned to call it 800 foot high, but it was in granite. Um, so it's 800 foot high up, and there's a stairway up to it uh, from his studio near the base of the mountain all the way up to the entrance located in a small canyon behind Lincoln's head. Um, I want to know how you secretly make a room so big that's 800 foot up. Surely someone would notice you doing that. Yeah. Uh, but that was the plan anyway. But starting in July 38, work 1938, workers blasted away uh, granite to make small to make the hall records to be Borglum's great dismay or to Borglum's great dismay. Uh, work had to be halted in July 1939 when funding became so tight that Congress worried that Mount Rushmore would never be finished. Mandated that all work had to be focused on the four, only the four phases, um, which. So basically, it was a 68-foot-long tunnel that's 12 feet wide, 20 feet high. There are no stairs, and it remains unattainable to visitors. Uh, so yeah, but in on August 9th, 1998, a small uh, repository was placed inside the Hall of Records, um, housed in a teak box, which in turn sits in a titanium vault covered by a granite capstone. The repository consists of 16 porcelain enamel panels to share the story of the carving of Mount Rushmore above Borglum and an answer as to why the four men were chosen to be carved upon the mountain. The repository is for men and women of the far future who may wonder about this wondrous carving on Mount Rushmore. And the, but the thing, the most amazing thing for me is that uh, Thomas Jefferson's head was moved. It was meant to be to the left of George Washington, uh, but they moved it. And it's technically... Oh, excuse me, uh, not going to be ready completely um, for thousands of years. So he wasn't just creating a massive shiny democracy um, for the people of the present or tomorrow. He was thinking about people thousands of years in the future by determining that the granite uh, would erode at the rate of one inch every uh, 10,000 years. So he did the calculations for it. He created a monument to democracy that would continue to be an awe-inspiring for the future. But just to be sure... Um, he added an extra foot on every part, most notably George Washington's nose. 12 inches on a nose to a face that is 60 feet high. Uh, he said, sorry, what is 12 inches on the nose to a face that is 60 feet high? So he added 12, so it's not going to be technically ready for another 120,000 years is when it will actually be finished. So that's why George Washington's nose is so big. But yeah. to, to be fair, like... Those calculations, I don't think they would have factored in the amount of climate change and random shit that is happening, so all of the natural disasters and stuff that are occurring more and more often. Yeah. But that was one of the points that I was going to make, where they're doing all this, and they're, they're putting like monuments and stuff, and like saying, we'll put this in the future so that people can wonder at it and stuff. 
to one another the sad part. Eventually, it will eventually erode to the point where there will be no faces on that mountain and there will just be that room. Yeah. Or even then, even eventually, that room will just put it dissolve. So it'll be so, 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 so far in the future. But the thing is that the, the, um, basically, he worked on it for years. He worked on it for 16 years. Right? This was his life's work, his masterpiece. He was in charge of this project for 16 years. Right? And he died seven months before it was finished, even though nobody actually died working on it. Oh, God. So he didn't even get to see the finished no, project? No, his son finished the project for him. Well, that's nice. There's a lot yeah. of projects where it's like only continue if the son wants it, or like a lot of the time the son won't want to follow or the daughter won't want to follow in the father's footsteps so the child sometimes children don't want to follow in the parents footsteps sometimes they do and there's a lot of cases in history where yeah if they don't things just go left massively unfinished but that that was just mad like he put it this is it's this guy's life's work and it, it wasn't even like he was 73 year old when he died and it was a blood clot he had an operation and it was a blood clot died in chicago so seven months before it was finished. That's how close he got to, to finishing his life's work. It's nothing really if you think about it after all that time. No, not really. Uh, does anyone else have anything about Americans or? I have something to do with some, like national landmarks. treasures and that sort of thing. Landmarks. Um, it's that, you know, the. Um, Everybody always goes goes to the Library of Alexandria whenever someone says, like, oh, it's a great library, it's like, and they'll always say Library of Alexandria yeah. or things like that, because it, it was the greatest library of the world. It, it's still classed as that. Uh, this is that the library was never actually burned down or destroyed. It just slowly deteriorated due to the purging of intellectuals from Alexandria, as well as lack of funding and support. So yeah. it went the way of most public projects and most libraries and stuff that I've got nowadays, where it wasn't actually a natural disaster. And like a lot of people seem to think it was burned down or it was destroyed in like a war or anything like that. It was literally just because it lost money, it lost support, and it just slowly deteriorated to the point where it was either repurposed or just knocked down. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not surprised. Uh, they did they, they did systematically wipe out a lot of intellectuals, didn't they? Yeah. Um, it, there was like by. a... <laughs> there was like a weird sort of purge or something, wasn't there? Yeah. Um, wasn't it because some king decided that he didn't want anybody to be smarter than him or something? Um... Uh, I'm trying to find. Uh, yeah. Um, basically, it was uh, after. The, the, oh, the, go on then. The, the, the decline began with the purging of intellectuals from Alexandria in 145 BC during the reign of Ptolemy. Uh, eight. The eighth of Sicon, which resulted in. Aristarchus of Samothrace, the head librarian, resigning from his position and exiling himself to Cyprus. Many other scholars fled to other cities where they continued teaching Gondotka's scholarship. 
The library or part of its collection was accidentally burned by Julius Caesar during his civil war in 48 BC, but it's unclear how much was actually destroyed and it seems to have either survived or have been rebuilt shortly after. Yeah. So most people do think that Caesar burned it down. That's the part that they believe. Yeah, but so when Ptolemy came to was... power, uh, Aristarchus and all foreign scholars were basically expelled from Alexandria. Uh, this purge continued and forced all academics to find or establish new places of research on the Med- Mediterranean. As a result, the influence of the library and Alexandria itself began to dis- diminish, no longer seen as a centre of knowledge, and very, very few scholars desired to work or reside there. So that's what happened. So, yeah, yeah it was due to uh, Ptolemy. Yeah, um, apparently uh, the idea of a universal library may have been proposed by Demetrius of Phalerum, an exiled Athenian statesman living in Alexandria, to Ptolemy I, who may have established the plans for the library. Mm -hmm. But the library itself was was probably not built until the reign of his son, Ptolemy II. So it was was literally the family line built it and then destroyed it themselves. Yeah. But the library quickly acquired many papyrus scrolls due largely to the Ptolemyak king's aggressive and well-funded policies for procuring texts, also known as invading and stealing. Oh, just like the British Museum. Yeah. It is unknown precisely how many such scrolls were housed at any given time, but estimates range from 40,000 to 400,000 at its height of its reign. Quite a fair discrepancy, isn't it? It's quite a discrepancy. I think it's because like there's just no way of seeing because of the degradation and everything. Yeah, which makes sense. Knowing old school kings and just how much they decided, fuck it, we're going to steal that shit, it could well have been over 400,000. Oh, definitely. I mean, it could could potentially be a million. Potentially be a lot more than what the estimates were. I do love the fact, though, that it does say in the columns, it's got like, items collected, any written works. <laughs> Doesn't try and specify anything, just anything written was put in there. Yeah. Uh, it does say also, it perhaps equivalent to, it was perhaps equivalent to roughly 100,000 books, because of course you can write less on a scroll than you can on a yeah. book. So it would have been probably about 100,000 books. Still. And it's estimated to have employed over 100 scholars at the height of its reign as yeah. well. So it was a, it was a massive. But even, even 100,000, I feel like 100,000 books are still a big library. And if you think for the time, for the time it was, it was yeah. BC, when not a lot of people would have wrote, not a lot of people would have written it, there wouldn't have been a lot of documentation in general. There wouldn't have been a lot of um, scrolls, and there weren't like. Scholars were very, very, very highly regarded and, and a lot rarer than, you know, today, if you like. Um, so that would have been massive. If you scale that up to today, how big would that have been? You yeah, um, I'm going to check. There is a London Library. Right. A... I am seeing how many books uh, the library, the London Library, mm-hmm. now holds more than one million items, and each year it acquires approximately eight thousand new books. So the London Library does have a lot more, but it gains eight thousand new books a year. 
Yeah, but what I'm that saying is, is when, you, when you when you consider how many books and how many texts and how many writings there are in the world today compared to then, compared to like yeah, what was it? Uh, to basically, it was 180 to 116 BC. So well, th- this, two, this, over this two and a half thousand it, years ago. This is the this is the point exactly. Like nowadays, ninety nine. Like I wouldn't be surprised if UK literal literacy numbers are ninety nine percent of people can read and write, or like something like that. It's high. It's high percentages. Back then, it would have probably been the hundred or so people staffing that library, and then just like nobles or rich people who could afford to be taught type thing, the kings and stuff. There wouldn't have been many people like commoners wouldn't have been able to very well. They might have been able to do basic reading and writing, but they wouldn't have been able to write a scroll or a book or anything compared to how we can now. Yeah. Especially since nowadays anybody can pick up a laptop or a pen and paper and try and write something and try and get it published. Do you want to learn about the British newspaper archive? Yes, isn't isn't that the doesn't it have like a copy of every newspaper ever printed, or like it tries to have a copy of every newspaper ever printed? Well, so it's got like the very first edition of the first newspaper. I am on to basically you can choose what county you're in, and it'll date back. So I've got for to the northeast, Kyle, right? The Newcastle Courant, and the first one they have, right? It was called the Northern Courant at the time was from Saturday the 23rd of December, 1710. Yep. <laughs> uh, so some little facts off its website. Um, there are 42,695,118 pages in, in here, uh, dating from the 1700s. Uh, there has been 68,720 pages added in the last seven days. Um, but the thing is, I found most intriguing, which isn't on the website here, but I learned that you can't burn it down. If you want to do, Why you couldn't fi- burn it down. Have the, have the fireproofed the building because it's all paper? Uh, it's in a vault manned by robots, so they're all photographed and stuff, and basically if you want to look at something, so say you want the cover of the Newcastle Grand from 1852, you would go and you go on the website, you find it, there's a picture of it, you can look at it, you can look, there's a scripture if you want of the whole paper, but you can see the photos of like the cover of it, right? Um, yeah. And you you can go and if it's not documented online, if you can't find it online, you can then go and actually get the physical copy to look at, but only if you are a member of the British Newspaper Archive and only if it is not available online, otherwise, no. But when you go there, it's completely dark, there's no windows or anything, it's completely manned by robots and it's completely sealed and the oxygen percentage has dropped so low that if you try to strike a match or light a flame, it will it won't light. It'll just burn out straight away. And they've purposely awesome. done that. And it's sealed so the robot, you will tell it what you want. And like a vending machine, the robot in complete darkness, which I feel like Sasha and these robots, will go down, go to the right <laughs> thing the one you want, bring it all the way back, drop it and then it comes through like a double seal, like a, Zoya, like a decompression chamber or like a submarine or a spaceship or whatever um, so that it's sealed from the outer so you can't add oxygen to it basically um, and it's occasionally people do have to go in 
to like repair things or to check on things and stuff like that. And on the rare occasion that they do and that they have the clearance to do, they're only allowed to work there for about 15 minutes and then they have to come back out. Otherwise, they can collapse because of the lack of oxygen or they go mental. <laughs> awesome. So, yeah. That's that just sounds there. beautiful. Yeah. Cool beans. I love it. It's mad what will like the, the innovations will come up to protect stuff. Yeah, I'm amazed that's not like implemented in places like banks and Fort Knox and stuff. Yeah. But uh no actually that sounds harder to like get into in Fort Knox, honestly. Um I'm gonna sort of go along with the writing and intellectuals and everything to a little known writer called HP Lovecraft. I've heard of this. Well, I've heard of him. I don't know if I've heard of this. You've heard of him? I have. The legend that has created monstrosities that have become very famous <laughs> in recent times, thanks to things such as Cthulhu. Right. <laughs> uh, but this is, this, this is the tale that he wrote nearly 100,000 letters in his lifetime. The second most number of letters written by anyone in recorded history. The first... Oh, I was going to say who was the first. Come and guess. You who can guess wrote... if you want, oh, yeah. It would have to be a writer, wouldn't it? So who who wrote more than Lovecraft? <sighs> Bear in mind, Lovecraft nearly wrote 100,000. 100,000. It would have to be... It has to be a writer, because I'm thinking people like Darwin and, and, you know, people like that, but then again, that's research papers, that's not letters. It... Uh, it is a writer. Uh, I will. It, I will tell you. It is a writer, and it is. Uh, it's not like a new modern day writer no, either, because of course that would be. Yeah. Uh, who? Who? Right. Who was it? Some one of them had a post box put on his house, didn't he? Hold on. I don't know. Um, <laughs> Possibly. I would not be surprised. It's some sort of shit I would do. Uh, da, 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 da. I'm, I'm just having a look. Uh, I'm not going to be able to find this. Jordan, do you want to have a guess of any writers? Or Jay, do you want to have a guess? I don't know if Jordan's even listening anymore. Yes, I am. Ah, cool. Do you want to have a guess? Um, Robert Barlow, I don't know. No, I don't know who Robert Barlow is, actually. It's, uh, alright, so it was Dickens. It was Dickens that had, he, he had a, right, the postman was a familiar sight at Dickens's Georgian home. Um, a post box installed by the Postal Service at the author's request was one of the earliest wall post boxes. So he couldn't be asked to walk the end of the street to put a letter in a post box and he posts letters all the time which is what I'd read so he got the postal service to install a post box on the side of his house just so that he could just go and post it so Dickens surely nope what nope go on then Jay would you like to have a guess of it Jay died I think Jay's died Jay, Jay starts right. his episodes has five minutes to laugh and then disappears till the end can I <laughs> I'll give you a hint it is a writer from a country that Stefan does not like. So it's French. Though. Oh, God, he's French. It is a French writer. It is Voltaire. Who? Voltaire apparently wrote more letters, letters to than H.P. Lovecraft. Oh, you... Despite the fact that Lovecraft 
is you said to it there, Stefan. Recorded. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Lovecraft is recorded as saying, "I write, I write exactly and exactly as easily and as rapidly as I would utter the same topics in conversation." Basically, saying he could write as fast as he could speak in a conversation. Yeah, I can write quickly, but it's messy. Not as quick as I can talk. I can write quickly. I can't write as quick as I can talk, and it would not be that good. Uh, but he is, he is quoted as saying, As to letters, my case is peculiar. I write such things exactly as easily and as rapidly as I would utter the same topics in conversation. Indeed, apostoly Larry expression is with me, largely replacing conversation as my condition of nervous frustration becomes more and more acute. I cannot bear to talk much now, and I'm becoming as silent as the spectator himself. My loquacity has extended itself on paper. Basically saying he had anxiety, he didn't like talking to people, and it got to the point where he just did not want to talk to anybody, so he only wrote. I don't like talking to people, and I don't want to talk to anybody, but I'm not going to write letters to you as every week. No, you're, we're writing a group chat instead. <laughs> yeah, modern day uh, problems. The number if only they'll put a post has... box in my house. Yeah, the number was uh, revised down to an estimate of 87,500. Right. Oh, uh, yeah, just, just a few of, less. Of these <coughs> letters, uh, it is estimated that only about 10,000 actually survive. Less than a thousand of Lovecraft's letters were included in Arkham House's selected letters, published between 1965 and 1976. They are highly abridged, and uh, it's been pointed out that the unabridged versions of the selected letters would be at least twice their printed size. Thus, the unabridged versions of all the letters would require approximately 100 volumes the same size. So basically, they edited them because they just waffled. Yeah. They edited them and they made them smaller. Yeah. But yeah, um, so if you ever think you write too much, or wait, I don't know if anybody ever thinks they write too much, but if you ever do. think you write too many too many letters, don't worry about it. Voltaire and Lovecraft have gotten your beat. Fuck Voltaire. <laughs> Despite the fact that I have a nice love God, no, Kyle, man. steel thing. Which lets me how many wax how many how many how many's Voltaire got? Uh, I'm gonna actually say that actually. Uh, how many? How many surrender letters did he how write? How many letters? Ruined Voltaire. Ruined my life. We've only done this. We've only just done that now. <laughs> well, Kyle's really pushing the boundaries lately. <laughs> well, he has got he has Thanks. got a a Himla, um haircut. Himmler. <laughs> right. It's kind of strange because Voltaire does actually say yeah. that it's a. Sorry, I'm just going on. Uh... Ooh, he was imprisoned in the Bastille finale. Yeah. Good. Fun. <laughs> what did he do? Speak. Right, that was obviously the dick. And that? Uh, no, he's. His caustic wit first got him in trouble in with the authorities in May 1716 when he was briefly exiled from Paris for composing poems mocking the French regent's family. Okay, I like the young writer was unable to 
He was unable to bite his tongue, however, and only a year later he was arrested and confined to the Bastille for writing scandalous verse, implying the regent had an incestuous relationship with his daughter. Probably French. This, just, this just sounds like if I had to move to France for something, but I was a writer. I know. But, but... Voltaire boasted that his cell gave him some quiet time to think, and he eventually did 11 months behind bars before winning a release. He later endured another short stint in the Bastille when he was arrested for planning to duel an aristocrat who had this insulted and beaten him. <laughs> to, escape further jail to, <laughs> to escape further jail time, he voluntarily ex- exiled himself to England, where he remained for nearly three <laughs> years. Tactical decision. Oh, I'll voluntarily uh, go home. <laughs> yeah. He became hugely wealthy by exploiting a flaw in the French lottery as well. He teamed with mathematician <laughs> Charles-Marie de la Condamine and others to exploit a lucrative loophole in the French National Lottery. The government shelled out massive prizes for the contest each month, but an error in calculation meant that the payouts were larger than the value of all the tickets in circulation. With this in mind, Voltaire Le Cordeman and a syndicate of other gamblers were able to repeatedly corner the market and rake in massive winnings. The scheme left Voltaire with a windfall of nearly half a million francs, setting him up for life and allowing him to devote himself solely, solely to his literary Hold on, career. right. The, the, the National Lottery, like, even the Euro Millions, which gets up to 100 million sometimes, yeah? Yes. It's because they will make a hell of a lot more than that from the sales, so most of it will be, some of it will be prize money, a percentage of it will be prize money, a percentage of it will keep the lottery open, run and work, and then they will give profit to the people who organise and run it, and a percentage of it goes to charity, Yes. So if the prize yes. is 100 million, the ticket sales themselves are probably four or five times that, so it's probably five or 600 million, the ticket sales. Who yeah. runs a lottery where they don't even sell enough tickets to cover the prize money? And then thinks, that's a good idea, I'm going to keep doing that. Oh, this guy keeps doing it? That's oh, fine. I'm guessing it's because they Fuck weren't sake. giving out money, they were giving out prizes, so they were giving out things, I'm assuming yeah, they were giving it's, out it's like, materials and stuff. Yeah, yeah but I'm assuming the... the I'm assuming it, it was the case of like the the. Unless it's the probably the typical case of the, the, the regent set it up and the regent didn't have monetary value in mind because he was the king and he doesn't mm. understand money because he's just got everything. So he's like, oh, just give them this. And you've it turns out to be something worth like a million francs. Just, get, just you, give you, you've won the lottery. He has some fog legs. No, you've won the snail's house. You've won the lottery. He has some you've white won, flags. You, no, it, it, they're worth a lot of the French Jones. <laughs> it would be something like you, you've won the lottery. He has an estate. We'll take a moment I'm guessing. to uh, recognise that Jay has risen from the dead. He Sorry, has risen I had from a, the dead. I had a work phone call. <laughs> it's okay. He just disappears. It's all good. <laughs> uh, Stefan, he does have a competition for you, though. No, before you, how uh, many letters did he write? It's sort of weird because it says that he he. It was a number. God damn you. Apparently, correspondence amounting to some 20,000 letters to friends right. and contemporaries, which is significantly less than Lovecraft. However, I get the feeling like there's other bits to it and things like that. I'm not 100% sure. But apparently, he wrote more than 50 plays, dozens of treat- treatises on science, politics, and philosophy, several books of history on everything from the Russian Empire to the French Parliament. He also managed to squeeze in heaps of verse and voluminous correspondence. 
Uh, Voltaire supposedly kept up his prestigious output by spending up to 18 hours a day writing or dictating to secretaries, often while still in bed. He may have also been fueled by heroic amounts of caffeine. This is where Stefan's competition comes in place. According to some sources, he drank as many as 40 cups a day. Deal. Challenge accepted. Yeah, also, challenge accepted. This and man now, now I have to write 20,000 letters and 2,000 books and pamphlets. So, 22,000 letters. In my lifetime. Mate, mate. Also, I, I, 50 plays, dozen, dozens of treatises and oh, stuff. Several it. books on history. Don't write treaties anymore. That's not fair. <laughs> Wait, it says treatises on science, politics, and philosophy, so I'm assuming it's more just like academic papers. Deal. Whether you, when you're on our own country, we can do academic seas and statements of um, treaties, uh, of treaties. So that'd be fine. <laughs> I can do it all. Me, me and Stefan can do it all from the bed and, and have a competition of who can drink the most coffee and write the Hold most. On. Why are we in the bed? And the little one. I'm in separate Ooh, beds. And, so, the, separate okay. beds. and the little one said. Off apparently, <laughs> apparently, he, apparently, he was also a spy for the French government. Not as good as Gosta Caroli. <laughs> Bray, no one's as good as him. But yeah, um, he apparently struck up a lively <coughs> correspondence with Frederick the Great, Aragon, uh, in the late 1730s, and he later made several journeys to meet the Prussian monarch in person. Before one of these visits, Voltaire concocted an ill-advised scheme to use his new position to repair his reputation with the French court. Uh, after, after hatching a deal to serve as a government informant, he wrote several letters to the French giving inside information on Frederick's reign, poli- foreign policy and finances. Voltaire pro- proved a lousy spy, however, and his plan quickly fell apart after Frederick grew suspicious of his motives. The two nevertheless remained close friends, some even claimed they were lovers, and Voltaire later moved to Prussia in 1750 to take a permanent position in Frederick's court. Do you know what? Their, their relationship finally soured in in 52, so two years after, after Voltaire made a series of scathing attacks on the head of the Prussian Acad- Acad- Academy of Sciences. Frederick responded by lambasting Voltaire in order that a satirical pamphlet he had written be p- publicly burned, Voltaire left the court for good a year later, supposedly telling a friend, I was enthused about Frederick for 16 years, but he has cured me of this long illness. Uh, I can't take it seriously because he sounds like a villain in a novel. He does sound like a, he Voltaire. Does sound like a villain. <laughs> it's great. But he's also French. He is amazing. I absolutely love it. Mm. It's all, it's just the stupidity of some of the stuff. Yeah, uh, okay, so. Uh, does France. anyone have st- stuff about writers or anything? Or stupidity? Wow. I've always got stuff to do with writers and stupidity, but go, Jay. <clears throat> yeah, well, Jay grumbled. I said, well. Going back to the previous conversation about. Um, Sons taking over from fathers. Did you know that? This is this is not very well known that um, when J.R.R. Tolkien died, his son Christopher took over his estate and finished off a few books for him. It's not very well known that J. eats bees when he's off camera. 
<laughs> sorry. It's not your fault. It's just you and... I'm a buzzer. You're a little bit... Buzz. No. Um, oh, beehive. Yeah, I'd heard that somewhere, but I didn't know if it was true or if it was a false, like, a factoid. That's that's a thing. You know how people say factoids are like little mini facts? Yeah. It actually yeah. means, like, a false fact. A factoid. Oid is an additive that means like, so factoid means fact-like. So it's something that sounds like a fact, other people believe it's a fact that isn't. But people use it in many facts. Sorry, I got distracted. It was also announced that Christopher Tolkien, J.R. Tolkien's son, had died um, early this year. Yeah. And that Amazon and Netflix are out of the game for the rights for the Tolkien estate, along with Disney trying to buy the rights oh, for the wings. Sure. <laughs> Is this part of the master plan? <laughs> for world domination. For universal domination. Universal right. domination. It's, it's like we, we were talking about MGM trying um, try to sell. Yeah. And Amazon Prime are like, oh, yeah, we'll take you. <laughs> yes. For like $9 yeah. billion dollars when like their debt is worth $5 billion. Still. Yeah, it's because... It's, it's still it's cause, $4 um, billion in your pocket, Jay. Yeah, true. it's $4 billion in your pocket. Yeah, and sold me for also, $4 billion. I don't know. I don't actually know what other films MGM do anymore because it's sort of one of those companies that's slowly fading out of existence. But I do know that they used to do all the Bond films, and I'm sure they still get royalties and stuff on them. Yeah, and the Bond films are still going strong. The Bond films are still going strong, but I don't know if MGM's involved in them anymore. Oh. I know they used to be the head of it, like they used to be in ch- in charge of it, but I don't know if they actually produce them anymore. Where did where did Creed? Um... The girl in the spider web. They're, they're doing the most. They're doing the latest like, Bond film as well. The most. Ah, okay. The most released film to date is the Adams Family. Ah, well. Can I ask a question? Yeah. I will. I will. I will mm, yes. Go. Well, no, I'll let you go. Sorry, because I didn't interrupt you there. They did the Hobbit as well. Yeah, they did the Hobbit. New Line Pictures was like associated to it. Sorry. Yeah. Oh, do you know, like, there were five billion in debt? Yeah. Right. If you are, if you buy a car or take a bank loan and you're a couple of thousand pounds in debt and you can't pay it, prison. How can a company be five billion? How can the UK be two trillion in debt and that's fine? But if we owe someone a couple of hundred quid and can't pay it, prison. And we've only recently paid off the debt that we owed and um, that we built up in World War Two. Well, no, we've only recently paid for World War Two. Yeah, basically. Yeah, but yeah, I will say, I will say, uh, why can't a person get in two trillion pounds worth of debt and just keep going? That's fine. The Bank of England will sort it, and yeah, just just come back next week. I think it's because they assume people, they assume the company would be able to pay it back after a few films. Meanwhile, a person wouldn't. Well, it's sort of like how how can we pay two trillion though? And who do we owe to? Everybody, everybody else. Like... But everyone else is in debt. Yeah. So why can't everyone just go, you know what it is, clean slate, apart from Greece, because you just take money from everyone and put it up. <laughs> <laughs> that is a good point, though. If every country is in debt... Because it has to be 
then surely nobody should be isn't in debt. two trillion because everybody is in debt to each other. Yeah, there isn't two trillion pound in the world, so it's all little notes and IOUs and who we should do this and do this. So if we were to America and America owes to France and France owes to Germany and Germany owes to us and also owes to Australia and Australia owes to New Zealand and New Zealand owes to, and it all goes. Surely somebody goes, oh, hold on a minute, just write it off. Everyone will start again. Yeah. It's just def- it's just default de facto factory reset. Yeah. Because it, it is a bit ridiculous. Everybody Kyle. owes each other money. It's it's like it's basically like a thug beating someone up, taking a ten pound up, then him getting beaten up, someone taking ten pound up, and then just the cycle repeats. Yeah, and then everyone going, You owe me a tenner, no, he was me a tenner, no, he was me a tenner, no, he was me a tenner. Do you know yeah. what, Jay, you know when we start our own country? Kyle's the financial yeah. minister and whenever or anybody money, Kyle can just factory reset the economy. <laughs> when we start our own country we can just um, randomly say oh yeah England yours 2 billion how, every, how do we owe you 2 you billion you automatically lost every thread in circulation in your country <laughs> oh. yeah you 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 owe us a million pounds why trauma from fucking living there for that years <laughs> yes John guess which country's got the biggest debt in the whole world America. America. Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. <laughs> Kyle's favourite country. Russia. What, Russia. No. Your favourite country. Italy. No. Your favourite country. Japan. Yes. It is Japan, yeah. Oh, because how? Japan's the one that makes all the technology we use. They're the ones that make the fucking technology the banks use. They have the biggest public debt. <laughs> oh, public debt. Not Oh, like... public debt. That's, that's, that's different. Pretty, no, 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 hold on. Yeah, that's different. That's not country debt. That's just the general public owes money. And that's usually because... Wait a minute, then. Everything has to be bought on finance over there in some way the or national, another. Yeah, I, will, I, will, oh, I will back Jordan up here because according to the national debt, right, according to the national debt thing, um, basically Japan's national debt is 1.2 trillion yen, which is 9.087 trillion US dollars. Um, but so if you, which is less than USA, but if you convert it into the debt to GDP ratio, they are in debt by two hundred and twenty point eight two percent. So it's gone down. So they're yeah. in debt by more than two times what they actually make. Um, what I've found. Hold on, uh, this is big numbers. Jordan, carry on. Well, Sudan's second. Yeah, right. I found that the world. The world's national debt currently stands at nineteen trillion fifty-eight billion four million nine hundred eighty-seven thousand three hundred thirteen U.S. dollars, which is approximately fifty-eight thousand seven hundred thirteen U.S. dollars for every person on Earth. Just wipe it off, man. There's yes, not nineteen trillion in, in the world ever. There's not even been nineteen trillion of anything like in value ever. Yeah. I mean. To be fair, you were saying, um, Dude, the... was it Saudi? Sudan. Or did you say Saudi? Or Sudan. Uh, did you know that, you know how everybody always goes, all oh, the Arab countries are rich because of oil? It's not actually anymore. They had a big money cash flow burst because of oil, but it's actually just because they, in, they invested it so heavily into infrastructure and different industries. The oil Dude. doesn't make up the income anymore. It's all the other stuff, like the architecture and the in- and the yeah. They're wanting to move stuff. away from oil. They're wanting to make their own. 
Well, wouldn't you? The entire the entire planet's trying to turn green, so oil isn't going to be a very profitable yeah. thing in a few years. No, no, is the, the least as they keep saying. No, it was the least debt. Who no, no way? Way. Yeah, of course. Six hundred twenty-three million sense. in debt, or billion, whatever. See, they owe the least, and it's still over six hundred million. Do you want to know? Right, Kyle. The the thing I found about the, where it tells you the the debt per citizen and the actual debt of everyone in the world or every country in the world is called Stashlin. Um, but do you know? <laughs> do you know who has the world's largest right oil reserves? Saudi Arabia. No. No. It's um. Scotland. Oh, <laughs> uh, it it was something. It was something nope. stupid. I know that Antarctica and like them places are meant to have big oil fields, but it it's a country which basically does not want to dig it up. Uh, but okay. the, like, it isn't it like a isn't it like a big name country, but they're just refusing to do anything. I will about go it. from ten. I'll count backwards from ten if you want. So ten is United States. Uh, nine is Libya, uh-huh. eight is Russia, seven is the United Arab Emirates, six is Kuwait, five is Iraq, four is Iran, three is Canada, because um, they have a lot of natural resor- reserves, and two is Saudi Arabia. And one is Venezuela. It is. I think Jordan's just Yes, I sort of are. He's a dick. But yeah, Venezuela <laughs> has 302 million oil reserves. It's the proven uh, to be the Largest proven oil reserves in the world because the sand deposits are similar to those in Canada. And I'm this one America recently, hasn't given freedom yet. 16, I think it was. Well, I'm surprised America hasn't what well, went to give them the freedom yet. <clears throat> yeah, give them the freedom yet. Yeah, because they need liberating from nothing that's going on. <laughs> hmm. Freedom! <laughs> liberating from the oil that they've just found. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Uh. You want to have a civil war and kill, kill thousands of civilians? Sure, go ahead. What? There's oil involved? Freedom! Yeah. Gonna give you these guns. Promise not to shoot us with them. Promise. Okay. Yeah. Oh, god damn it. They're shooting at us. <laughs> well, yeah, you're trying to yeah. liberate them when they're just trying to live their life a dick. <laughs> to be fair, humans aren't the only species to have wars. Uh, technically not, but we are the only ones to drop nuclear bombs on each other and shoot each other with the AK-47s. Well, yes, but there are... <laughs> there, there has been a great war of the chimpanzees. Chimpanzees? Wasn't there a, a documentary about a tribe of... Is that what they're called? A group of chimpanzees. A colony? Yeah. Uh, that would murder each other for no uh, reason. Two, it's basically two communities. <laughs> um... The Gombe Chimpanzee War was a violent conflict between two communities of chimpanzees yeah. at the National Park in Tanzania, Tanzania, lasting from 1974 to 1978. So they had a four-year war. The two groups were once unified yeah. in the Kasekela community. Um, by 1974, researcher Jane Goodall noticed the community splintering. Over the span of eight months, a large party of chimpanzees separated themselves into the southern area of Kasakela and were renamed the Kahama community. Don't know who the fuck renamed them. The humans, obviously. No, the chimpanzees. They give themselves names, man. We don't need to 
The separatists consisted of six <laughs> adult males, three adult females, and they're young. I love how they made it sound like the a Casa... revolution. Yep, the Casacala the was left with eight adult, <laughs> eight adult males, twelve adult females, and they and they're young. Uh, during the four-year conflict, all males of the Kahama community were killed, effectively disbanding the community. The victorious Kasakela then expanded into further territory, but were later repelled by another community of chimpanzees. No, so this this isn't what I was on about. There was a documentary about a group of chimpanzees, and it's quite awful, that would turn on... The, the, the group had become so big in the, the, the forest that they lived in, if you like. Um, that they would turn on each other and kill each other just for sport or just because they didn't like the one that they were picked on or just because they looked at the leader the wrong way or something and instead of like the leader going beating them up or whatever then going, they would literally gang up and go mental and kill these like rip them apart they would also they became biker guns yeah there were also this colony uh, had became so big that it was absolutely it was expanded territory so much that when it was doing that it was wiping out entire other colonies and then it was because it was all one colony that was it. There, there was more inbreeding, there was more violence, there was more murder. And they were actually the only, um, apart from dolphins, I think, they were, it was the first time and the only time that uh, chimpanzees have been documented to actually physically murder just to go and kill another one of its own species just because it didn't like it. Um, which yeah. is the only behaviour that's only ever been observed in humans and dolphins before, I believe. Would you like to know the names of some of these chimpanzees? Oh, go on. Because it does say, <clears throat> First blood was drawn by the Casacella. Uh, when a party of six adult males consisting of Humphrey, Figgen, Jomel, Sherry, Everred, and Rodolph ambushed the isolated Kahama male, Goody, while he was feeding on a tree. So, the, so six, six chimpanzees ambushed one chimpanzee pricks man uh, it was the first it was the first time any of the chimpanzees had been seen to deliberately kill a fellow male chimp yeah after they had slain Gori, the victorious chimps celebrated boisterously throwing and dragging branches with hoots and screams uh, after Gori fell d was taken on next and then hugh later on came the elderly goliath Throughout the war, Goliath had been relatively friendly with the Casacala neighbours when encounters occurred. However, his kindness was not reciprocated and he was killed. Only three males remained. Charlie, Sniff and Willy Wally, who was Charlie crippled Sniff from polio. Charlie, Sniff and Willy Wally. <laughs> and Willy Wally was crippled from polio. Uh, without a chance to strike back, Charlie was killed next. After his death, Willy Wally disappeared and was never found. The last remaining na- male, the young Sniff, survived for over a year. For some time, it seemed as if he might escape into a new community or be welcomed back into the Casacellas, but there was no such luck. Sniff, too, fell to the Casacella war band. Sniff, too, was in the second Sniff, or was in Sniff as well? As in, just Sniff. <laughs> but it's great. It, if you read it, it sounds like an actual human... Like war, yeah. But with what sounds like Disney names, it sounds like the Seven Dwarfs went on a fucking rampage. It's mint. Hi ho, hi ho. It's after all we go to fuck shit up. We go. <laughs> that should be that, that should be our national anthem. That is, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it can't be for our new nation. And then my famous quote is, "Oh shit, here we go again." 
Is it? Yeah. I thought our player Cotus is like, oh, really? Oh no, what's the <laughs> most. <laughs> Stefan, you had statistics of the most word to say, the most word slash phrase said a while ago. What is the that most word slash phrase? is long gone. <laughs> And it, that and was it, not it wasn't, English it wasn't, either. It wasn't the most said words. It was the most, um, the most times people have insulted groups of people. So when we talk about like different nations or groups of people, right? Can we just we all insult people a lot? Can we all just point out when we do make our nation that that Stefan is isn't going to be the national treasurer? Why? Because it's long gone. Your records have long gone. <laughs> well, yeah, but first of all, the national this is the national treasury finance. Yeah, but still, it's what jobs would we, it still what jobs records would as well. Would we have? And and if it was historical I'm records, I would keep them. But it wasn't, and I don't know where the notebook's gone. <laughs> I'll be in charge of the treasury. Deal. I'll be historical records. Yeah, f- I just lose notebooks. Dude, I'll not lose them, and I'm good with research. Stefan is just a pure definition of censorship in his, uh, historical facts <laughs> throughout countries. I don't know what you're talking no, about. No, he's, he's the definition of accidental censorship. No. Uh, the, it's like a few years down the line, but, um, a country's going to come to us, but like, oh, listen, right, you came to our country and you stole this, 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 and you fucked up shit over here. No, we didn't. Yes, you did. Oh, go talk to our historical... Advisor, <laughs> right. that. it's long gone. That trip to that trip to Saudi Arabia is long gone. I'm sorry. What? Why is London pissed off? What? No wall tusk. Ignore that behind us. It's not there. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm not that For one of our countries, I don't want to hurt Sweden if we invade countries. Because they're just the recycling plant of the world at the minute. I don't know if we're that's gonna, a compliment or an insult. Countries. We're just going to no, go on, to honestly, different countries and fuck shit up. We're going to have a... Sweet... Sweden. Sorry, go on, Stefan. Go on, Jay. We're going to have half of Cuba after us because Stefan stole four hippos. Right. Yeah, true. What, 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 what hippos are in Cuba? He's on about the fucking... Colombia. What's Pablo Escobar? Colombia. Colombia. Um, it's easier to go to Africa. There's more there, and people don't like them as much. <laughs> Besides, I don't think Colombia will be upset that we're stolen invasive species of them. Yeah, true. Do you want... Okay, by the way, my statement about Sweden is not unbacked. Uh, I do actually Funny. have a topic, which is basically Sweden is so good at recycling... That for se- for several years it ended up importing garbage from other countries to keep its recycling yeah, plants going. Yeah, I heard about that. Be- I think it's because it has a system where if you recycle, you get paid for the recycling. It's like if you hand in a bottle, yeah. you get paid for the bottle and everything like that. It's a good incentive, which works fantastically. And I don't know why other countries do it. Fucking Boris, get on it, bitch. Uh, it's too busy trying to yeah, um, ride bikes in London. But yeah, but basically because they're so good at recycling. The recycling plants had nothing to do because it was so efficient to the point where it was just wasting energy. So they had to import recycling from other countries to keep the plants going. Which I think is just the... That's like German levels of efficiency. Nothing wrong with that. from Sweden. You want to know why? Socialism. Dude. Hold on. I have to find this. I have to find this. 
I have to, I have to, I have to. Um, you have to find what? Carry on. Oh. His historical records that he's lost. <laughs> so what, what would Jordan's job be? And my job? Um, Jordan Sport. Yeah, John. John's in charge of in charge of the com- what is it? Commissioner the of guy? sports. Yeah, I was about to say commissioner, but I wasn't too sure if I actually was commissioner. You two can be commissioner of sports. He'll handle cricket. You handle rugby, and we we can also have um. Oh, what is it? Jordan. Um, right, I'll, commissioner of pubs. Our next topic <laughs> is going to link. Yes. I'm going to link from Sweden to war here, and then the next. Topic I'm just saying this now. Scottish national sport is not going to be cricket. It will not be cricket. <laughs> um, the we invent our own sport that involves yeah, w- cricket and rugby together. Hand egg to make it more interesting. Hand egg, wooden ball. <laughs> we can't use hand egg because <laughs> then Jay's allergic to it. Know what? Our national sport for Scottish has to be the egg and spoon race. <laughs> Or the tug of war. <laughs> no, it has to be no egg and spoon race. Because no, if, you, if you drop, so if you drop an egg, egg on you'll die. Yeah, you can kill one of the founders of Scottish by just dropping <laughs> your egg in the egg and spoon race. <laughs> yeah. I was um, given little bowl, little bowls during the egg and spoon race at school. We oh, all were. We were given Can you eggs. imagine that as a murder? <laughs> Please tell me someone has died from an egg and spoon race. That would be one hell of a way stupid to go. Stupid deaths, stupid deaths. Stupid deaths. Next time, <laughs> it could be you. <laughs> <laughs> Horrible histories of legendary man. Oh, Come on, man. The guy who plays the Grim Reaper is um, Simon Summer. I can't remember the second name, but he works on BBC Breakfast sometimes. He's the. He's He's the bus on um, Britbox's advert. Mm-hmm. Are you ready? I just know that they did a TV series called uh, Haunted or something, and it's absolutely fantastic because it's all the cast from Horrible Histories, but as ghosts. Uh, Ashley got me into that, and it's absolutely hilarious. Season two is coming out this year. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I need to, to watch it. Good lad. Right, Stefan, topic. Last topic of the night. Well, we'll move on to. We'll move on to. Pummy. Um, on the war. But basically, I'll link from Sweden. So, Sweden has call, what they call a Gotland class submarine, right? They're in the Swedish Navy. They are modern diesel electric submarines, yes. which are designed and built by the Cockham's Shipyard in Sweden. In addition, the very first submarines in the world to feature a Stirling engine air dependent propulsion system. Uh, extends their underwater endurance from a few days to weeks, right? The capability had previously only been available in nuclear-powered submarines. Uh, they are also incredibly stealthy, and at only 200 feet long and 20 feet wide, they're really tiny and manoeuvrable and really difficult for other things to predict, like other ships and stuff, and to detect. Yeah. Uh, they also only cost $100 million, which I know it's a lot of money, but it's tiny for, like, a, a massive, like, well, for a submarine, for a start. Yeah, and, on, only costs $100 and million. the Swedish uh, Navy only has five of them. However, the US was impressed with this new Gotland-class submarine, so it hired the Swedish Navy, right, 
to partake bilateral training exercise <laughs> with him, right? During mm-hmm. this training exercise, where the Americans moved into, I believe, the Baltic Sea and they trained together, right? Uh, they said, we're going to set up and basically Swedish uh, submarines, the Swedish Navy, uh, is to attack the American, obviously, in a mock fight. You sunk my it, battleship. The best thing about this is Sweden sent how many submarines? One. One. Yes. <laughs> Because <laughs> the Americans are that bad, at mock, even at Mock War. A single Sweden, Gotland-class diesel-electric submarine snuck into the US Navy Carrier Task Force with bypassed anti-submarine defences, entered the Reed Zone, scored multiple torpedo hits on the $6.2 billion aircraft carrier USS Ronald Reagan in an encircling uh, manoeuvre captured and destroyed obviously, like, figuratively, the entire U.S. Navy fleet. <laughs> and that's one. One submarine. <laughs> Why do you think America's never won a war against somebody else? <laughs> <laughs> but the, the dude, though. And then I was looking, I was looking at a few things. So I'm going to talk to you, I'm going to move on to boats, right? Now, boats. Um, do you know about... Um, well, I'm on to something else here. But, do you know about the... Where, where is this? God damn it. The Type 45 battleship. Yeah, British I've warship. Seen something, I've seen something about it. I can't remember specifically. This is the most British thing. Are you ready for how British this is? The so, Type 45, the daring class, Type 45 air defence like destroyer. Team. Is, an, is a class of anti-war, anti-air warfare destroyer to replace the replace Type-42. Uh, it carries principal anti-air missile systems capable of preventing, uh, protecting vessels and themselves and ships in their company against aircraft and missiles, satisfying the fleet's need for air, area air defence capability well into the next century. Um, it's collaboratively uh, procured with France and Italy. Uh, each ship includes a 48-cell uh, silver vertical launching system, Aster 15 and 30 missiles, highly capable Samson multifunctional radar for surveillance, and fire control. <coughs> the S-50 long-range radar for air surface search, and the command and control system. The Type 45 comes equipped with one Westland Lynx Mark 8, or a Merlin Mark 1, capable of carrying Stingray torpedoes, and sea skewer missiles, one medium caliber four inch gun, um, and two close range 30 millimeter guns. Uh, provision is also made that some can be designed to enable other weapon systems fitted at a later date, should that be decided. These can include, but are not limited to, surface to surface guided weapons, two anti air warfare inner defense phalanx torpedo launch systems, and surface ship torpedo defenses. There's a lot more on it, but basically, these are the pinnacle of destroyers. They're some of the best destroyers in the world. The US have even said that these are the best air defence destroyers in any naval fleet. But, the British. So. That that means they have a tea room and are run on tea. It's better than this. They're, they are £1 billion each, right? Uh, but, we went to the Gulf um and they broke down because they can't run in one war. 
What? Yeah. How British is this? Uh, they also told uh, the Common Defence De- De- Committee uh, that the Type 45 destroyers Rolls-Royce WR21 gas turbine engines are unable to operate in extreme temperatures and should be fitted with diesel generators. Rolls-Royce executives said that engines installed in the Type 45 had been built as specified and that the conditions in the Middle East were not in line with these specs. First of all, how British is that? They just go, we didn't fuck up. You didn't tell what was going in the Middle East. It's a warship. It should be able to go anywhere in the world in any water. You don't just yes. build it and go, right, if you're going to stay around the Antarctic, if the penguins want to fight you, you're fine. But if you want to go to the <laughs> Middle East, no. But yeah, but uh, the problem with the engines, which the Ministry of Defence initially dismissed as teething problems, first became clear when HMS Darling lost power in the mid-Atlantic in 2010 and had to be repaired in Canada. The ship built by BAE Systems needed repairing again in Bahrain in 2012 after another engine failure. Um, but yeah, uh, it, the first one signs emerged in 2009 when Commons Defence Committee warned that persistent over-optimism and underestimation of technical challenges combined with inappropriate commercial arrangements would lead to rising costs. So yeah. So basically, it, it it's like everything British. It is absolutely fantastic, but it breaks down very easily and it wasn't designed But it gets quickly. better because General, he's now a Lord, David Richards, the former Chief of Defence Staff, repeatedly questioned the relevance of the expensive kit in the first place to the successive governments by saying, we have one billion pound of destroyers trying to sort out pirates and little... And little uh, with little RPGs costing fifty dollars and an outboard motor costing a hundred bucks. Why are we wasting my time anyway? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. Yeah, but but then that that isn't the only thing. Um. So okay, the, you know, heathen problems like you said, uh, breakdown because of war. But then it was found that they are so Bring noisy. Ship breaking down because of water. Yeah, but then they also found that they are so noisy that Russian submarines could detect them from 100 miles away. So the Russians <laughs> could hear them when they were leaving fucking port. Poor equipment and botched procurement deals uh, hindered Britain's ability to defend itself in the face of a serious military attack. Investigation is found. Among the flaws upon the nation's defences were warships that report they make so much noise that Russian submarines were able to detect them from a distance of up to 100 miles. The technical faults have also meant that the Army's 1.2 billion Watchdog reconnaissance drones, which were announced at the height of the Iraq War in 2005, have barely entered into service. British type, Britain's Type 45 destroyers, which have been plagued by engine problems, are, quote, as noisy as hell, said a former director of operational capability for the Ministry of Defence. Uh, we used to put little wooden wedges, wedges in between the hatch clips and in the hatches in my destroyer to stop them rattling so we could keep the noise down, said Adam Parry. We had forgotten all about it. It's crazy. Noise suppression has probably been the biggest dirty secret since the end of the Cold War, and people have been cheerfully ignoring it. Yeah, so basically we used to chock the fucking hatches shut with little wooden wedges to stop a rattling, and eventually we just gave up because we didn't care. Yeah. We basically were at the point where we're like, yeah, come out. It's going to fuck you up anyway. <laughs> it's it's going to fuck you up anyway, so long as it remains in port and doesn't move. <laughs> Yeah, and then I was looking at the world's most dangerous battleships, and there was a Japanese, Imperial Japanese Navy, right, which had Yamato-class battleships designed to be impregnable and unsinkable castle due to its massive size. Yes. Right? 
and I will flick because I've got the story of two here. Um, I feel like I feel like I knew I know something uh, about these, and wasn't it that because they were so big and heavy, they could only go really slowly or something? Possibly, but the leadership of the Yamato class was inquired by the Imperial Japanese Navy before the Second World War. Yamato, along with her class and counterpart. Musashi were the heaviest and most powerfully armed battleships the world ever saw. She had a displacement of 72,800 tons at maximum load, and her Type 94 main guns were the biggest that was ever mounted on a warship. The Japanese built it so big so that they could fight several several ships at once. However, 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 um, uh, Musashi, along with the other Yamato-class battleships, are the heaviest and most mightily armed ever built. But during the Battle of the Laird Gulf in 1944, Masushi was fiercely attacked, and after four hours of fighting, US forces hit it with 19 torpedoes and 17 bombs, and it finally sunk. (laughs) Yep. What the fuck? But they're not the most deadly battleships ever. Uh because I've got a list of loads, but basically, number three, HMS Duke of York, British battleship, uh, number yep. two, USS South Dakota, and number one was the HMS Anson. Uh, it was in the British Navy from 1940 to 1942 in the Second World War. It was deployed to fight alongside Russian convoys in the Arctic against enemy troops. It was also a major player in the highly successful operation of Tungsten in 1944, which improved, involved airstrikes on the German battleship Tirpitz, which was the fifth most deadly battleship that was sunk. Do you know that the H the HMS Timidly that was um that's basically docked in Hartlepool mm. at the Royal National Museum of the Royal Navy was originally began to be built in eighteen fourteen. It was finished in eighteen seventeen. It's the only battleship that was released after the war finished. Hmm. <clears throat> so I know, I know that. Where so it, it, was uh, it was useless. It, well, it was basically I'm, useless, yeah. But and I know there's been a lot of cases where they've, they've designed something, they've started building it, and then by the time they've actually made it, it's become obsolete. It was made into, like, um, a thingy ship, like a trading ship. And then it went to battle pirates. It was hunting for pirates. Yeah. And after that, there's, lo- there's loads of ships like that. Some millionaire you um, bought it, and then used it to <laughs> school children on it, so children who can afford school were able to go on a ship and be taught for free. But turns out he was a pedophile. Or just casually. Casually, just turns out he was a pedophile. So <laughs> they were like, "Oh yeah, let's let, let let's end this." So now it's let's uh, end this. Let's turn it's into a part a of a royal. Uh, as part of the the royal navy. National Museum in Hartlepool. <laughs> okay. Uh, talking about battleships, the first, you know, that battleships was the first ever board game to be made into a computer game in 1979. No, I didn't know that. I didn't even know it was a computer game. No, it's a computer game. It was. Yeah, I, I, I knew it was a computer game, but I, th- I thought things like Solitaire would be classed as the first com- nope. board game yes. couldn't turn into a computer game. I know it's not technically a it's board a game, game, it's just like a parlor game, but. Well, Battleship had a. Battleships had a, like, a nice history. They were originally a paper game where you had to draw the grid on papers and draw your ships on it. 
then yeah. play that way, then I turn to a pop up board game, then I turn into a computer game, then I turn to a very shit film. I've never seen that. <laughs> never seen the film. Uh, I will say that the the the, the film it, the films are, I do like parts of the film, but it it is a bit ridiculous. Like the premise of it is a bit stupid. It has its moments. I like naval films like that. But because it's against aliens, it kind of ruins it a bit. Oh, that's yeah. what I said. Shit for them. Uh, it, it's it's got Rihanna in it as a as a navy officer, which she does a good job. To be honest, she's quite good. I will say that. Do you want to guess who? Who basically um. Who made a bigger fuck up than us? With battleships, well, with naval ships. Germany, because they did loads of experiments during the war and fucked up a lot. Oh. No, Germany were mostly researching aircraft. Mm-hmm. And random Americans. Um, Sorry, John? Americans. No. For once? You're thinking big global superpower, though. Mm. Russians? Yes. Yep. The Russians made the S... Is this the circular ship? No, it's better than that. Well, it's not. Okay. The SS... <laughs> which is Soviet communication ship, uh, SSV-33 Ural, which its NATO report name is Kapusta, which is <laughs> Russian for cabbage. Um, <laughs> it's a command and control naval ship operated by the Soviet Navy. Right, The SSV-33's hull was derived from a nuclear-powered Krikov-class battlecruiser uh, and nuclear marine propulsion. It served an, in electronic intelligence, missile tracking, space tracking, and communications relay roles. Due to high operating costs, it was laid up. However, this is the thing. It is 265 metres long, or 869 feet, and 30 metres wide, right? And it weighs 32,000 32, tons standard, or 36,500 with a full load, right? The onboard radio uh, reconnaissance system was called Coral and involved involved two computer types, the Elbrus and the and several AC one o four eight computers. The SSV carried only light defensive weapons that were two AK one seventy six seventy six millimeter guns and two K AK six thirty thirty millimeter guns and four quadruple Eager missile mounts. Uh, it was assigned to the Pacific Fleet, but there was no PL large enough to dock the ship. So it was forced to anchor just out. Machinery had to remain running while at anchor to support other systems and its crew, and the ship became a floating barracks. She never went to sea, yeah, right. and her powerful radio electronic equipment gradually began to decay. The initial value of the ship's disposal contract was $310 million. The work was performed in the Bay of Bolshoi Carmen in the Primorsky region and completed by late 2018. It was so big they had to wear the doctor, so they went put it in an anchor there, and then it was just a military barracks for a while. Well, you gotta make do with what you can. You don't, you don't make things. You don't, you don't make a ship and then go, oh shit, where are we gonna put it? There's no, that's not big <laughs> enough. Well, well, no, it's the most Russian thing in the world. I need it bigger. Yeah, this, <laughs> is, this is as big as it'll go. No, I need yeah, it bigger. But, but also, <laughs> like, also, what's what's with the right? I need it bigger, so you make it bigger, right? And then you think, oh, fuck, we can't dock it anywhere. Instead of building the big docks, you go, ah, oh, fuck, it, just anchor there, barracks. Just build a big-ass <laughs> dock. <laughs> Why not? Russia's big anyway, enough. Anyway, uh, yeah. uh, shall we end we'll the just there, Just ram-raid Russia with the road ship. 
<laughs> well, thank you very much for listening to Taking Off Air. I'm your host, Jay. I'm your host, Kyle. I'm Jordan. <laughs> and I'm Stan. <laughs> and you've been listening to Taking Off Air. If you'd like to support us, please go to... Um... Yay! Yay. Fuck <laughs> up. <laughs> please go. It'll be, this, it'll be all in the description. Find us at, t- at takingoffair.com where we'll have links to everything, including our Spotify, Google, Apple Play. We- our podcast is on just about everything. Uh, we also go live on Facebook every Friday, so check that out. We have Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. We have Buy Me A Coffee and Patreon. It's all on the website. Check it out, and the links will be in the description. I'll remember Buy Me A also Coffee. For s- also, for some reason, we're on Pornhub as well. Why, Jay? Why? How, how are we on Pornhub? We're on Pornhub.com forward slash user forward slash taking off air. Hey. What is your problem, man? Oh, didn't, didn't, didn't we make it as a joke? And OnlyFans. We did make it as a joke. Jay did as a joke. Yeah. yeah. Go to our Facebook for OnlyFans link. You won't be, you won't be disappointed. <laughs> Jay, Jay did it as a joke. And we discussed that it wasn't good for a brand image. image. Uh, yeah, anyway, thank you very much for watching. No. <laughs> Thank you very much for listening. Thank you very much for watching. Be, the, we will see you all next week. There might be three of if we can get a hold of Jay. There will be three yep. of if I get hold of Jay. <laughs> uh, bye. <laughs> bye. I'm, at, I'm working away this week again, so I won't be. I probably won't be here until the 18th. That will make you safe. Jay hung up. Uh, why am I hanging up? Well, you're in charge. Because we're finished. <laughs>